0: This episode is brought to you in part by TSMA Consulting, the entertainment industry's leading social media firm. You've heard on the podcast from the top people in entertainment how vital a well-curated social media presence can be for your career. Dropping Character is proud to be partnering with TSMA Consulting, a globally recognized social media firm that can help you make sure your social media represents the quality of your work. I've worked with them personally, and man, did I learn a lot you do sign up make sure you tell them robbie sent you all right let's get on with the show this is robbie ramos and you're listening to dropping character man i, man, I, man, I don't drop character till i've done a dvd commentary.
1: uh well um with heels um michael malley me and him have a long history um we worked together on survivors of um as an actor and as a writer i wrote tc two seasons on that i mean we can get back to that but yeah um he actually uh, brought me in um to discuss me directing oh shit and yeah. what was this yeah this was when it like when it first got picked up in the whole nine like he wanted me to direct so this is 2019 2019 yeah this is 2019 and um you know we we we've uh talked about and uh discussed developing projects together um as i've developed my own and you know we we continue to figure out ways to work with each other um since survivor's remorse uh so he i, I brought him on to this project called uh uh, what a world! It was a short film that I did with Tracy Morgan that I directed, and um, Tracy Morgan was portraying um, uh, Louis Armstrong, and um, I I hired Mike to be acting it, um, so it was it was it's an incredible short uh, and,
0: and it's it's a comedy or it's dramatic? No, it's dramatic, Dramat- dramatic. And Tracy Morgan,
1: yeah, he killed it, he killed it. What? Period piece, period piece. I mean, I shot directed it edited it and had it all the way packaged, scored a whole nine in like two weeks. I mean, I got a team, of course. So it ain't just me. Yeah, I yeah. I directed it, but my team, we put it together. Um, in a matter of two weeks, uh, it was something that Tracy wanted to do for a long time. And on the on uh on the way home from LA to New York on his on his PJ, you know, a Tracy dude, Tracy got the PJ. And um we just was talking and I said I said, give me a shot at it. I said, yeah, he's been talking about it for three years. I said, give me three months. And I'll give you something. And he was like, he looked at me like, this kid's crazy. I was like, give me three months. And he was like, all right, I'll be in LA these dates. Boom. I said, okay, I'll put it all together. And we did it. And then, like I said, Mike came out um, and really saw me directing how I was able to- But wait,
0: when you say you, you put it all together, you wrote it? Um, I or collaborated
1: you- with one of the writers that- um, he wanted to write for the feature, and um, we both we both wrote the short film. Okay. So, uh, in putting that all together, uh, it's a whole lot of stuff. I won't go into the details, but <laughs> okay. but uh, uh, we got the script probably like three days before um, we were uh, set to shoot. So I was kind of forced to write a script, and then the so called writer. Turned his in, but (laughs) (laughs) it was just it was just my script with with an additional Uh, scene. But anyways, Uh, uh, anyways, uh, (laughs) uh, because I had to give my team something, so we because we was three days away and it's a period piece. We had to build sets, we had to do all of these things. Like it was it was about we spent about thirty thirty five k on it, Mm. um, which was phenomenal in how it came out. So Mike saw that not just he just saw the product, but he also saw how I carried myself and how I was able to. You know, direct on um, on set uh, as at the time I had a uh app, I had a short film app and I was producing a short film a month. Yeah, I was producing uh, whether I wrote it or directed it or produced it or, you know, uh, all of the above. I was in production with a short film every month or a comedy show. Like I was pumping out content ridiculous. I still have a bunch of content I never even released.
0: And that was all shit you wrote or or other people. Wrote uh, it, was, it was
1: it was it was a, a it was um a variety of writers. Um some of the stuff was written by me, some of the stuff was just directed by me, vice versa. You know, it was a um, collaborative, it wasn't just all me. Uh, right, 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 right. but um it was my company that was producing all these things. So I was directing is is like a fish to water to me. I've been doing it for years. Um uh, I directed my first comedy series we going all over the place so back to mike (laughs) back to mike he saw me direct and that's what we had the initial meeting about and at the time i had just uh left the last og and uh it was i was really um skeptical on joining a new series uh just because of the way uh i was treated on that show a new showrunner came in switched up the whole show i didn't like the creative direction and where they were going on my role, so I ended up leaving um which was very um uh disloyal to me as much as I put it into that show um just how they kind of just was throwing my character away, and uh I was really sensitive on my next project because I'm like, man, I'm at the the you know um." What's the word? I'm looking at the whim. Uh, I just I'm at the mercy. I'm at the mercy of a showrunner coming in. And if he doesn't like me, I'm done for. Like that was that was a real you know um, fragile position that I was in. So when Mike was showrunning him being my mentor and someone that I could trust, I was like, well, I want to I want to act. Because if if it wasn't if Mike wasn't showrunning the show, I would have stuck myself in a writers room. I'd put myself in the writers room until I sold my own show that's literally that was literally the plan uh just because i was so scorned from that other situation um mm. so uh we had the conversation i was like well i said this other role and he was like <laughs> and uh he was like yo you you want to go for it i was like yeah um i think it's perfect you know it's something that i want to do uh i just finished doing a number one with Sneakerheads, which was very demanding uh time you know mind body and spirit uh being a number one on the show had me reevaluating how i wanted to handle my business alongside with the craft meaning that i was uh, spreading myself too thin mm-hmm. uh because being a number one demands so much of your time and attention that it's hard to do a lot of things that i was used to doing i was on blackish i was on three tv shows at once and running a full network having i was and it was and i was able to do that um just because the roles on screen wasn't as demanding. I could just go in, pop up in and out, and then get back to my work. Where this one is like, oh no, these next three months, you need your whole focus on this in you order mean to sneakerheads for yeah, that, sneakerheads yeah. in order to execute it to the level that you wanted to be executed. Um, so it was a lot of just kind of um evaluating, and I thought I saw heels being a perfect opportunity to kind of be reset um again work with the great Michael O'Malley um and I know how hard he works as a showrunner and what he puts into it uh is his his he puts his soul into his projects man and I would you know I run through a wall for that man so that's how it came about auditioned um went through the process it wasn't like you know hey you got the role I had to go through mm-hmm. the process audition test and um you know got the role
0: did you test once or you, they had you test multiple times
1: uh no, only test. I only test once. Uh, test once and then I did the physical, and, the and wrestling test.
0: This is before COVID, so you were going into the room. Yeah,
1: yeah, sure. we was going in the room. Mm-hmm.
0: Who was in that room, dude? Uh,
1: it was uh, who was in there? Mike and Pete, mm. Pete Siegel. Mike and Pete Siegel was in there. I think it was another producer. I can't remember exactly who though. Um, uh-huh. but yeah, and and I worked with Pete Siegel before on Survivor's Remorse. So he he knew my work. Um, so you were
0: comfortable in the room. You felt like you knew everybody. And- I mean,
1: I'm comfortable in every room. Like i <laughs> like I'm, I'm comfortable. Yeah, I'm comfortable in every room. Like I I, I love to audition. It's like, dope, right? I, I like it too. I love audition. I, I it, yeah. uh, it I look at people crazy when they were like, oh, I hate auditioning. I'm like, uh, yeah, you hate yeah. performing because mm-hmm. that's basically what it is in the sense of especially if people that come from stage and I I and I never did stage. Well, I do not say I've never done stage, but stage was never my pursuit and uh but there is a certain rush that you get when you perform live
0: it's the best bro you
1: know and that's what people say and for me me performing live is auditioning and that's my live performance mm-hmm. so i i am eager if i'm not eager to go in that room i don't want, i'm not going in there mm-hmm. i'm not either ready or i'm not prepared or i'm just not in the right mindset but i'll be I, I it's showtime yeah. i love i love you know uh i love pressure I love when the spotlight is on me. It's it's it brings out the best of me, you know. Um, it's like, uh oh, no, there's no tightrope. There's no safety net behind you. You better you better cross this tightrope and cross it well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I think that's where, yeah, that that's where stage actors I think have a little bit of the upper hand if you started on stage because you're used to that, bro. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no second take.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> you yeah. know, there's no let, let's run it back. So I don't know if you remember, Doug, we had a scene. Which one? Uh, w- the one where I come in and I tell you, like, why Why are you acting like that? Oh, like, yeah, you know yeah, that? yeah, yeah. And we're doing that scene, bro. And, it, I like, I hate going up on my lines, right? Because I'm stage, bro. Like, I like knowing my shit. Yeah. I go up on my line, dog, and I call line, bro. Yeah. Which is a stage thing. Like, on stage, like, let's say you're rehearsing or whatever. You go line, and then the stage manager goes, oh, uh, your line is, you know, the uh, blah, 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 right? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, holy shit, I fucking, I reverted back to that kind of stage shit, which happens a lot, dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. fucking muscle memory of, like, how to do shit on stage. Right. But, yeah, with, with auditioning, I love it too, bro. It's like, I get to go in there, I get to fucking perform and, and, and do my thing. Now, how do, you, how do you prepare for an audition? Is there, like, a certain set of things that you do besides having your lines down at 100%? Listen,
1: it's inception for me. Like, it's a, it's a unique process, um, uh, I've been a loner. I've been a loner, but I've always had a bunch of people around me my entire life. Which, uh, if that makes sense, yeah that's what <laughs> like if that makes sense. I'm comfortable with being around a ton of people, and you would think I, that it is my natural habitat. But I'd rather be by myself. <laughs> right, and, you know, you probably see me on set and crowd around. I could, I could get the whole crowd connected and in, in all that. But I like, I like my, you know, uh, my own private space. But with that being said, uh, when it comes to preparing for an audition, it's inception for me. Like I have to see the entire world. Um, That's the 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 cool part. Where I say I'm uncomfortable in any room, is that the room that I'm walking in isn't the room that I'm in. The room is what the room I created. So whatever role it is, like it's there's different modes to conversation. Being that uh, if I'm talking in a library opposed to the park. Are in a dark alley to oppose in the daytime. All of these things matter. All of these things play a part in how the tone, and the decibel of your voice, and just the understanding of how you're responding to the words. Um, because in in building that inception, I really dissect what's underneath the words. Um, just because I have a, I don't. The people are like, how do you memorize a line? I don't memorize anything i say it again. I don't remember as anything. I, I know what I need to say. I know what I need to say. It, it's because it's, it, it's, it's simple. It's simple it's simple to me, And again, in my process. Yeah. It's like if you know your character and you know what situation that you're walking in, you just have to listen at that point. Meaning, if I walk in a room and I'm a husband, I find my wife in a bed with another man, mm-hmm. it's only so much you can say. Right. Now, if I know the character now, if it's a thing, if I love her, or if it's a thing, I'm about to leave her, all of these things matter. And then it becomes to what how do I respond? And then it naturally comes out. It's not a thing of I don't look at the lines. Yes, I, I look and I understand the lines, but I don't mm. memorize them. Um so when I hear so naturally, mm. if I hear things, the natural response comes out. So that's that's for me is that's the best way that I can approach any role in any scene because it gives you the natural response.
0: So you're saying you don't memorize them in a certain way, you know the lines, right? I understand and them.
1: then I understand the lines okay but
0: then then when somebody feeds you right you, the line before yours, you react in the moment but yes. with the lines that you because
1: I understand know. I understand the lines <laughs> it, it's, I understand It's not yeah. it's weird I know it's yeah, weird it it's weird, it's weird, my mind is crazy it's it's weird, but I understand what needs to happen in this scene, and then if I listen, everything is new to me. Right. So that's my, my response. My response is a certain way. Um, and, you know, we could like, we could talk about the time, the time where I was uh, messing up on that line on set. Like it was bothering me because it wasn't a natural response. It felt like I was reading and it, it just took me out of what I do. And that's where I was like, you know, there's a fine line when it comes to like the scripty trying to get me to say something exactly the way it's exactly where it is. Where I may add a uh or a or I just make it I let make it sound less robotic, yeah. and have actual real conversation, um, and sometimes that, a lot of times it doesn't get me in trouble um, because at the end of the day, if it's felt, then that's all that matters. Right. I could I could miss a a comma, or I could I could reposition the sentence as long as I'm again if I understand what I'm saying, even in the event that I may flub a line, I can always correct it because that's how we do in real conversations. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's like, oh, oh, I mean the, you know, and and I'm not flustered like, oh, because I understand what I'm saying. I'm not memorizing the lines. So that's, you know, now the only, the difficult part of how my process is, is names and like Mm. at dates, because that takes memorization. (laughs) But again, the more you understand your character, you'll understand why he would know this information.
0: Right, right. So
1: that's the way that's how you combat that. But that's that's the difficult part of my process. Like names and uh,
0: Dog, if you get on one of those doctor shows and you're saying all this bullshit jargon fucking doctor shit, then we're
1: Yeah, th- and that that's what I'm saying. Like you would have to again, that's the understanding of the care. Why is he saying it? It's yeah, not no. him just saying like of oh, again, it, it would be it would it would it would make it more it would be again, it would it it would require more research. Mm-hmm. So for me, my process, I can't bullshit. I can't bullshit a feeling, so I can't, I, uh, I can't bad act even if I wanted to. And that's why it's a pro. Like if like that's why it was a problem for me that day. I was like, yo, it does, if I sound like a fucking robot, yeah, and it's yeah. bothering me. And I, that line that I just said, it didn't feel natural to me. So it like you're you just threw everything that I was saying before out the window because it sounded. Oh, that one, even though I got the line exactly right, eventually,
2: yeah, <laughs>
0: it didn't feel right. It just felt like I would said a line. But what do you do then? Let's say you're on a show, not not heels. Obviously, Mike is a great fucking writer, and so is Michael Waldron and right. everyone who's writing on it. but right. If you're on a show where the where the where the dialogue is just tough, dog, like it doesn't make sense. Because I remember being in theater. One of the things that made memorizing hard was sometimes you were doing plays by, you know, the dude next yeah. door, you know yeah. what I mean? And then you got to yeah. memorize this dude's lines and yeah. you're like, what the, f-? it doesn't make sense. Was like, yeah. So how on a TV show or on a film, how do you, how do you work that out? Is it something that you, I call it, it the, the Jordan rule. Okay.
1: I call it the Jordan rule. Meaning, you build the game around Jordan. Jordan's a score. You build a team around it. If he, that's let him do what he do. It's the same way that I see, I always refer to Jim Carrey as the best example. Um, the scripts would say Jim Carrey walks out of a bathroom. Ace Ventura walks out of a bathroom. Ace, Jim is going to walk out that motherfucker the way he want to walk out. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's what you paying for. Right. You paying for Jim Carrey. You're not paying for the writer. You're paying for Jim Carrey to take this and give his adaptation of what it is. So for me, that's always my strong point. And that's why I feel like that when I go against that, I just like I wasn't you didn't get me.
0: You didn't get what you paid for. Is this something you learned from the beginning? Because you I mean, in the beginning, it's tough to, to be that way because I like I'll give you an example. You know, I started doing co-stars and shit like that. It's like, bro, you that's a different animal. Right, mm-hmm. you're coming in. You just gotta like plug yourself into this movie. You talking to somebody
1: who started with one line. I had a grunt. Okay, so, I had so, a grunt on so Friday like, after next. Like, right. <laughs> like, like, like
0: had <laughs> a grunt. They didn't even like my ADR was some but other kids. That wasn't even me. Right, like, right. So, so when you started, is this something you learned to do, or uh, you know, or was that always in? You were just it was like, I'm gonna again, do it the Again, I
1: never, I never, um, I never settled for anything else. Again, when people hired me, they hired Alan Maldonado, Mm -hmm. and ninety-five percent of the auditions I ever ever did and booked, and probably even higher percentage than that, I changed the lines. I made them my own. I made, and again, it only works if you're good. Like for real. Like if 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 if, if if you if you if I'm felt. And you worried about that I didn't say it exactly online, you missing the fucking point. You missing the fucking point. Then your ego is getting in the way. Because as an I'm a writer. I'm a writer. Mm-hmm. But it is the actor's job to elevate your writing. Because there's a difference. Like When I write a script, I have to write in proper English mm-hmm. in order for you to read and understand it this conversation if they fucking did a script on it it's gonna look like the worst english ever but it's a great conversation right so that is where the actors have to understand and dissect it and make it a real conversation you know so um if the writing is good you won't have to do as much as of that you know what i'm saying so and especially when it comes to like the co-stars and all that stuff they don't write for the co-stars Mm-mm. so a lot of stuff that i was winning because i would change the jokes i would change i would make them my own and even when sometimes i didn't book it they show the hell use my joke <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> you know what i'm
1: saying that, like yeah, for real yeah. like you know yeah. so that was a part and even in the uh, you know and in, and in, 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 in what's in god bless mike mike o'malley because he's an actor's actor mm-hmm. so he understands that so you know uh when we started to work together, that was one of the highlights is that we could bounce ideas off of each other. We our first scene that we did. And it's a quick story about that. Um, Survivor's remorse. Um, it was the first scene I did it was me and uh, Ron Rico it and was, Mike,
0: Mike was, the showrunner he was a of, showrunner. He's a showrunner. Survivor's remorse. remorse yeah. And he's literally, we
1: in the middle of the scene, he's off camera cameras rolling. He's middle of that. Just throwing out lines. Like, I'll say this. And I would like boom, boom boom, and I would take it, and I would take it, and then I was it. He would say it, and then I would say it in my version of it, and it would work. Or I would say it exactly like it. It, it all it, again. It was a lie, but sometimes you gotta. Sometimes I gotta move the ball over to put it in. Like right, it ain't right. always. I gotta. I gotta understand him. I, oh, I know where he's trying to go with this joke. Let me say it, and he's like, I, that'll work. Like and, you know, sometimes it's spot on. Sometimes you gotta move, adjust it to make it go in. And we did that scene, we were on the way uh, to the next scene. We were driving to the next scene. My next scene was like, I think, a half a page. It turned into two and a half. Between you and Mike. Between Mike, he was we was sit, when we were traveling to the next location. Me and I was sitting right next to Mike. So dope. Dude. And we were. He was like, "All right, let's do this." I was like, "Oh, you know what I'm gonna say like." And then when we were on set again, once again off camera, Allen say this. And then I would, you know, boom, and I put my thing on it. And it and that's you. Again, a director is supposed to direct you. He's like a coach. Yeah, I can give you the play, but if in the game something adjusts. I got to react and make this. I got to still make a winning play. Mm -hmm. And that's where a lot of people get, get thrown off uh, is because they get, they don't, they don't um, understand their greatness alongside the director's greatness. It's a collaborative thing. It's a collaborative thing. Again, that's the coach. That's a person outside the game giving you the play, giving you the oversee of how everything going. But you the one in the trenches, word, and you the one know what works.
0: You know, there's a I've been listening to this Matthew McConaughey book. He's he's got this book called Green Lights. It's loosely, I mean, no, it's not. It's autobiographical, and he talks about being less impressed, more involved. Yeah, cause dude, I'll tell you, for me, man, I mean, heels is like my first big thing. So, you can go into it easily being too impressed for this shit. Yeah. Right? Holy shit, Mike's here, right? You know, you got, you got Pete over here. You got everybody has their own resumes of fucking shit that they're working on. You, James, right? Uh, Trey, everybody, bro, Steven, everyone. So, you gotta really start like, I know for me it was making that that change of like from being impressed of me being in this position to like yo be involved in it, dog. Like man, you're, I, you're listen, I've
1: been I I'll be totally honest, I felt that way on Blackish. And it was weird because um, you know, the creator Kenya Bears, we had did a show prior to Blackish, where, you know, he wasn't established, he wasn't Kenya Barris at the time. You know, he was he had this is we did the show eight months before he sold Blackish. And, um, we became great friends, like you know that's like my big brother, you know um, uh, but during that process, the show that I was on, i was the the alpha actor i mean i was the vet i was i was you know i was teaching and coaching the other the other actors on the on the show they were all green, you know um, and again i didn't have it was i didn't have any type of uh what's the word what was you saying earlier um impressed, yeah. We just, it was eye to eye. And then on wow. Black is one black and shit. It just became this mega show. And then I was on it. And then they were, didn't get ABC's real stickler. I'll to the, directly to the lines. Yeah. Um, and I always felt like I never gave, even though people loved the character on there and loved what I did on it. I always felt like I didn't, I wasn't 100% me. They didn't get the 100% Alan Maldonado on those. Cause I just felt impressed because if Kenya had And I was like, damn, I'll make sure I'm getting these lines. I hope I'm not letting him down. You know, and like and, and I just and I and it had to get to a point where I had to be like, man, fuck that. Yeah. Like, yo, I I know I'm I I, I deserve to be here. I'm just I'm talented as anyone else on here. Let's let's go, you know. So that that was a you know, a a great learning lesson for me, even uh having so many years in the game to before then to get to that. You you have moments where you have to check yourself. Mm. You have to your check yourself. You'll get to the places and you be like, oh, snap, that's such and such. You got to check yourself. Like, wait, 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 wait. No, no, no. I'm a bad motherfucker too. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like, like You're right. <laughs> you know what I mean? You got to check yourself.
0: It's hard though. Dog. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's, you know, you could get sucked into that, just that mentality, bro. And, and so you started acting when you were, you were in your teens in high school or what?
1: Yeah, 17. Uh, it was uh, my senior year in high school was when... I really caught the bug. I, I played basketball three years in high school. Uh, wasn't great at it. Uh, I was a late bloomer. I had just started playing basketball uh, my freshman year. Oh, shit. So everybody on there was, you know. Balling. Yeah, and I had bust my ass to to get to a point where I was, you know, I had broke the school record in threes and, you know, I was coming off the bench. It was summer league. I was doing my thing. I, was, I got my career high twenty seven. You know, coming from somebody that never played before. How come
0: you never played? But you played. I was a Boy
1: Scout. (laughs) Gangster. 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 I was a Boy Scout. That's right. With a real thugs. I am like, Yeah, well, <laughs> a real thugs at. I was a boy. Yeah, I yo, I, I got a very interesting life. I, I, I swear to you. I was a Boy Scout. Uh-huh. Um, and my mom would be the best one, be the best to tell a story. She was like, I just came into school one day and said, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna join the Boy Scouts. I basically told my mom what I was gonna do. And uh, I was like, I'm joining the Boy Scout. I mean, I did, I was a Cub Scout, did that for years, crossed the bridge. I, like legitimate. I'm I was uh uh almost an Eagle Scout. What? Yeah, I was almost an Eagle Scout. That's how heavy I was in it. But you just
0: wanted to do it or or was it like Oh yeah, I love have it.
1: No, it was I I saw it and I was like I want to do that. Oh, wow. And it was again, a leadership skill. I was the only black kid in my troop, but I was the leader of it. <laughs> leader, of I used to rent man, we do summer camps. Uh Alfred Hitchcock donated his ranch to the to the Boy Scouts. And the summer camps were there uh and every year, you know, Black kid, athletic. You know, I'm out there. I'm killing. I'm killing every day. You know what I'm saying? I'm killing, killing. Oh Until one year, a, a, all black troop came. I said, "Oh, damn!" <laughs> I was the great white hope. Then the gig is up. Yeah, then, I was the great white hope. Then no, it was it was a battle. Oh, it was yeah. a battle. I was the only hope. But the fun. This is the funniest shit. This is the funniest shit because it's so stereotypical, but it was spot on. I'm talking about every racist, building, shoot, shooting, shooting, right, all this stuff. We going, I'm going at it with the all black truth. It's me. It's either, either I'm getting number one, number two. Like I'm going head to head with him. Swimming. We none of us got <laughs> <laughs> none of us. I said, Oh yeah, this is your turn. This, this your is, turn. You got this. You got I got this. You. This is your turn to shine. <laughs> Billy, this is your turn to shine. Yeah, let's yeah.
2: go. <laughs>
1: let's go. Efren, let's go. Let's go. And you where know?
0: did, where did you live? During uh this whole Rialto,
1: time. California. Okay. Rialto, California. It's about um 60, 70 miles east of Los Angeles. Mm. So uh we had moved there. I lived in Compton until I was uh I think seven, seven and a half, and then I moved to uh Rialto at that point. Um like my sister went to school with MC Ren all that, straight up Compton cats. Like yeah, you know Then that's
0: a big contrast, man, from being from your neighborhood in Compton and then being in these boys. Not Scouts necessarily.
1: Then... Oh well yeah, Boy Scouts, yeah. yeah. But I mean, because I was saying Everybody had the same damn idea in Compton to move to Rialto in the same time, so it just was Rialto East. I mean, so Compton it just, East. It was just Compton <laughs> East. That's
0: right. what it, that's what it turned into. Right, right, right. Um, but I'm but, saying, being in the Boy Scouts and then being from that neighborhood, it's like, yeah, yeah. But yeah. that's why you ran that shit. I'm sure you were fucking.
1: I mean, I, I guess you know, yeah, no. Um, man, I've just always had a knack for being a leader. That's why I keep I keep my mouth shut half the time because I end up just taking over shit. <laughs> Take taking over shit. Then I'm like, now I'm stuck with it. You know, I'm stuck with being a leader. Um, uh, just just because of that, I've always had a knack of I, I, my gift, I, my true gift is I know how to figure out things. Like I'm a, I'm, I, am I call myself a life engineer. Like I love how to figure out people, figure out how men are. I love studying human behavior, mm-hmm. and you know, in this crap that we do, all we do is engineering lives. And the same thing, that's what a director is. You're just engineering a life and a story. So how do you make these things work? How do you make these components work? I got this sprocket. I got this. It's all engineering. So for me, that was always anything that I ever wanted to do, I just felt I I I know I can do it. It's just I just gotta figure it out. Just gotta figure it out.
0: Once I just focus on it, it was a
1: Boy Scouts, whether it's basketball, whether it was anything
0: that I wanted to do, I just figure it out. Did you, you know. get that from your moms or or is that some,
1: you know, I don't know. My mom would be the first one to tell you that I've been, I've been talking like this since I was three, four. Like I, this is my mom always tells a story when I was three, she went to work and it was like, you know, of course I didn't know phone numbers, but it was just a button that I knew it could call her job. So at three years old, I will call, I called her up at work and said, Hey, I made your bed. You owe me $3. She's like, what? <laughs> like, I said, I made your bed. You left it on me. I made your bed. You owe me some money. Like, I've been I've been an entrepreneur since then. Like, I used to, I used to get
0: hustling your mom, dog. Yo, yeah. She left it on. Yo, she <laughs> yeah, left it yeah, on time. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. She left
1: on time. You went to work, you left on time. I got you owe me some bread.
0: Right.
1: You owe me some bread. You should have, you should have made it up, and you would be in debt. Uh, <laughs> you should have made, yeah. you know.
0: Um,
1: so my mom is like, yeah, he been he been talking like that. Since he was a, a kid, she was like, "Anybody ever tried to kidnap you? They gonna bring your ass back in five
0: minutes." <laughs> we don't need them,
1: Cause man. he was like, "Yo, he gonna I mean, explain how they gonna go to jail, what they gonna jail for, <laughs> yeah. you know, what type of sentence, and who gonna be in the cell with him." Like I've I been mean, explained all that to him. They're like, "We taking his ass back." Right. So, so yeah, it just you know figuring these things out. So being a Boy Scout was, uh, I think that was what was exciting to me, and just learning. So I was I was a sponge. Like I love I love learning stuff, but I love um, I'm a visual learner. I'm a visual learner. Um, so, like, you know, I, I don't really learn great from just books. I have to do it. I have to do it or I have to see someone do it. If I see someone do it, like, mm. it's it's weird. It's like the Matrix. I feel I can do it. Mm. If I see somebody do it, I feel I can do it. Right. Like, even the stuff that we wrestling and stuff on the show, I ain't never did none of that stuff. Mm-hmm. I just see someone do it. I'm like, I watch everything. His feet, shoulders. Like, all right. All right, okay, all right. I think I can do it. And let's go do it. Mm-hmm. It's crazy.
0: It's it's yeah. it's my superpower. So you went Boy Scouts, basketball, and then you said senior years. When you so yeah, that. so Why?
1: so senior year, but bo- bo- I only bring up Boy Scouts to only say that uh, Boy Scouts was very difficult for me to get down and learn and kind of get good at. Where when I stepped into uh, acting class, my first day was the easiest thing I ever did. It's the easiest thing I ever did from writing to to acting to performing. To everything that was, you know, uh, shown to me in that class, I was like, oh, I I get this. I ended up taking over the theater of the class. I ended up taking over the hate. They hated me. theater department hated me. Um, just because they were all there through all three years, and I ended up just taking over. Because that's usually what happens. That's why I keep shut. That's why I keep <laughs> taking over and just... I wrote, like, 17 out of the 19 skits that was in the show. Like, I just... It, I get obsessed with things I get obsessed with things And I'm locked in and Yeah it's I've rap. seen
0: that <laughs> <laughs> firsthand.
1: <laughs> and I'm locked in I'm just I'm like Oh I gotta figure this thing out I'm gonna And I'm just gonna do it Do it Do it Do it Do it Do it So um, At that point I knew I, I knew at that point That that was my My gift That cause I'd done A, other, a lot of other things Whether you do Boy Scouts Or basketball or uh, dancing and stuff like that that always that were a little more challenging and this was the easiest thing that i ever done i was like if i applied the same work ethic that i applied to basketball i could be great at this thing and it came that was, natural to you yeah yeah totally and, natural and
0: yeah. and you did plays in in high school then, no, your senior. no no i just did skits oh word. i
1: did the skits i didn't do i uh i've only done two two plays and it was some chitlin circuit shit that shit was mm-hmm. hilarious um yeah, it was crazy. We was in I was actually in New Orleans uh, uh right before Katrina hit. Oh, performing God. a play, yeah. No, yep. yep. it was sad just because I remember the people there were so nonchalant like oh, it's going to be another one that just passes over. And like I can still see those people's faces and I'm like, damn, I wonder where they at. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, just because they were like, oh, this is cuz the storms were always coming and they would always say that the dam is going to break and they were like in and the, and the natives was like they've been saying that for 40, 50 years. Right. So a lot of those people I know, you know, stuck to their judgment and was was still there. So it's, it's it was sort of sad, but but yeah, I went through that whole. We did uh, New Orleans, Mississippi, Alabama. We did South Carolina as well. Like yeah, so that was like my stint at a play.
0: Okay, and then after high school, how'd you get into the business? Is it?
1: Um. Yeah, literally. Um. I guess. I guess. I. I guess I gotta say this to say that. Um. Well. Like my senior year was crazy. Uh involved with a lot of stuff. Uh, my my thirteen to seventeen. The reason why I don't go out now is because of that. I party, I used to uh be a party promoter. I used to throw parties
0: from thirteen to seventeen. Yes,
1: thirteen to seventeen. Um well twelve. Twelve. I was I uh I went to I graduated early. So I was a I was a twelve year old freshman in high school. Um Shit yeah 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 so most nobody knew i didn't tell us so i didn't tell us so everybody thought i was their age but i was a year younger and um from 12 to basically 17 uh we threw part I had a dance crew we had a party crew um and it's a whole like i got a whole movie about it but it's it was a whole kind of culture that was happening at the time where it was the older cats in my neighborhood they was making big money it was making you know they had their own little house. So I wanted, again, I watched and followed them. I said, oh, I'm going to do that too. Um, You know, we had a crew. Had a, we got to buy like a crew of 30 of uh, at one point. We threw huge parties at the age of like 16, 17, charging 3 and $4. <laughs> yeah. And like we would come home with like three, three, four grand. Like it was crazy. It was crazy. And, you know, uh, all of that kind of spilled over into the street life. Well, not street, it was a street life, but it started spilling over to gangbanging. Just because that's the element we were surrounded. Like, we were out, you talk about these kids, we were definitely out every weekend till 3 a.m. Like, we were out in the elements. You know, these kids, we weren't supposed to be out there at that time. Like, my mom worked all day, every day, so she was never really home, you know. So I had freedom, you know, to do whatever I wanted. And we did. <laughs> we definitely did. And at that time, it got really, really hectic. Like we got into it with some couple of gangs, and it got violent. Got to the point where uh, it was a decision. You know, a confrontation happened where my car got destroyed. Like my windshield, all the windows, everything flat tire. Like like they they was gunning for us. You know, they it was six of us. They they jumped us with about thirty people, and um. It was a that was the one of the you know I guess crossroads in my life where I had to make a real decision and um you know everybody was you know waiting on what like what you gonna do I said like, give me three days so let me think about it and this is think about it I'm I was sixteen this is how I was talking to sixteen give me three days like what, what are you after about? they broke your yeah 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 this but I'm, yeah this is sixteen years old. This is me, give me saying, "Give me 3 days." Like, who does, who talks like that?
0: <laughs> like, Six year old talking like me? Let me meditate. Yeah, yeah let me, like, <laughs> give me 3 days. <laughs> and I'm <they'll, Yeah>.
1: like, <laughs> crazy, crazy, crazy. Crazy kid, man. Um uh I'm I'm more fascinated with me as a teenager yeah. than I am as an adult. I swear. <laughs> I swear. I was like, who was that guy?
2: Like, wow. I done got
1: soft. <laughs> like, yo, that kid was a mate oh. He was a beast. But um Three days after the three days, I, I made the decision. I was like, I don't want to be. A, uh, I don't. I said, look, y'all know me. And y'all know I'm. I, I obsess over things. I said, if we if I if we go start killing people, we gotta, I'm killing everybody. Like this is we got to go all the way. This is like we just can't get. We gotta get everybody, and I'm not willing to do that. And I'm like, are we just gonna let it? I'm gonna let it go. I'm gonna let it go. I'm gonna chalk it up to the game, and that kind of turned the tables on me because everybody was like, oh, we a bitch and all this other stuff and you know it was it was a it was a, it was definitely some jealousy as far as um my position in the crew and just the celebrity that i built uh through dancing and you know i was the pretty boy neighborhood with long hair down to my waist it was yeah it was it was had girls at every high school like it was it was crazy i was a hood celebrity like it was a for real hood celebrity so <laughs> it was some jealousy that came into play where everybody kind of turned on me and i had to make a decision and that was when I made the decision to put everything in acting. And I was 17 years old, and I was like, you know, I basically removed myself from all the friends that I grew up with uh, and put everything in acting. I locked myself in the house. This is when I became a homebody. Locked myself in the house, began reading, working on computers, at like this, just this, this learning things that I didn't know I was going to be using later on in life. I just was like, this is what I got. So I became a nerd. And like I, I, I like literally, literally, just computer stuff, all this other stuff. And I was a, I never, you never saw me in the house as a kid, never. Like, ne- I was
0: always out in the streets, always. Um, but what? But what? That's such a fucking crazy decision to make, though. I mean, you so you basically exile all your friends, right? Mm-hmm. They all think you're you're soft, you're all this, yeah, shit.
1: yeah.
0: And you make a complete fucking at seventeen. Why though?
1: It was a lot of things, a lot of combination. It was that. It was uh again. I know, I I don't play at anything. Like if I do something, if I say I'm gonna do it, it's gonna get done.
0: So, so you visualized what would happen. Oh if you yeah. went Down that dark. Oh, thing.
1: I'd have been in jail. If I did. I probably would have been dead. Because I probably would have been. I'd have been desperado. I'd have been out there going crazy now, for real. Like yeah, I'm yeah, like yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, being. Yeah. I'm being totally honest. Like yeah. I knew. As, as opposed to the cats that I that I was growing up with they didn't really know that I was in the boy scouts like that like they didn't know I knew how to shoot <laughs> like they didn't really know that I've been training right. how to kill things since I was like I was a kid like right. we went hunting like we went... Yeah. I I would used to shoot, shoot skeet the, the things I would not would miss like like I would I could really do that. I could really use a gun uh-huh. you know and I was like no this ain't nothing to play with like this ain't this isn't the role that I think this isn't about bravado, pride, and oh, you a badass because you killed somebody. No, you just killed somebody. Like, uh, like, like that's a that's a major. But do you thing. think
0: you went you you went up the ladder in that crew, thinking it was gonna be something else, or did you get like kind of? Entrapped in like the the lifestyle and the, oh, it was a
1: lot of things. It was a lot of things with the crew. Is that we just it didn't even we didn't start all. We didn't think it was going to be as big as what it turned into. It was just a bunch of it was like seven cats from the pride. I won't say project. My mama hates saying that. Rough rough apartments. <laughs> <laughs> in, the, in the rough apartments that I, I I grew up in, it was about seven of us. We were all brothers. Um, we all you know. I was again. I've always been sort of displaced because we always moved. So I was. I was kind of like the last one a part of the crew when I moved in I was 12 and everybody was already known each other you know maybe about four or five years so I was kind of like the last one inserted and we just started dancing and then we became a crew and then the crew really to you know um you know from battling like really built a name I I built a name for myself uh and, which was crazy, and you know, they like everybody be cracking up. Like, people crack up about the sex album that I just dropped out, mm-hmm. uh, that, 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 that dropped, but they used to call me Pocahontas when I was 12. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's always been a sexual it's so kind of fucking thing, even as a 12 year old. And when I was 12, I looked nine, bro. Like, I look like a fucking <laughs> baby. I could show you some freshman high school pictures right now, and I look, you were like, oh, you in fifth grade. I'm like, no, I'm in 10th grade. <laughs> I swear. But that it was always this kind of sexual energy around me for whatever reason. I and for after a while, and I hated the name. And I was like, oh, oh I, I felt like they gave me the name to hate on me. I'm like, what kind of shit is this? I ain't gonna get no bitches with this. <laughs> <laughs> like, <I get> <laughs> Pogo, <Pokemon? laughs> what the fuck? Oh, I ain't getting
2: no pussy. This is, oh, I
1: ain't getting no pussy. Lo and behold, it was the opposite. Lo and behold, it was the opposite. Yeah. I got more table. <laughs> you know, uh, just because I, I, I learned something very, very quickly. I was like, it's not, it's not about anything you wear. It's not about any name you have. It's how you present yourself at all times. If I say it's cool, it's cool than a motherfucker. I don't give a fuck if it's a polka dot. You, you see how I dress nowadays. Like, I, be, I don't match for shit. Because it ain't about that. I make whatever I wear cool. Like, you know what I'm saying? Uh, it's uh-huh. me. You know what I mean? It's right. the, this, whatever I'm wearing is an accessory to me. It's not. I'm not the accessory to what I'm wearing.
0: Uh-huh.
1: So, or the name that I have. Like, I was like, I make that shit cool. It was like, oh, where polka hat? It was, it was, crazy. Uh, yeah. it, was crazy, yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. It was crazy. It, was crazy. it was crazy in the hood. Crazy in the hood. They was looking for polka. <laughs> And uh, you know, and the of Cole part—I I can't remember her name. She gonna kick my ass if she ever hear this. But she gave me the name in passing in high school because I had to, well, used to wear two long ponytails. And she was like, "Oh, you like Pocahontas?" And I'm like, "Man, that's a girl name. Let me call him a no Poco." Well, I'm gonna call you Poco. Then the homie uh, heard, he was like, "Oh shit, Pocahontas!" <laughs> I'm <was> like, "Oh,
0: <laughs> that's it." And they just ran with that shit. I yeah, was yeah. like, "Yo,"
1: but so back to the back yeah. to the saying. It just it just. It was, we were all young, ki- like, man, it just started, it, it was a lot of, like I said, we got, we got, this was fame. We were known in it throughout the whole county. This was before social media. Like, people knew our names three, four, five cities away. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, and it just was a lot of ego happening, you know, ego on my part, ego on everybody. Like, it was just like, we give these kids a little bit of money. We were like, we were balling. and like, we had a little bit of money, mm-hmm. you know, um, a lot of little street fame. And uh, I just began to start going in a different direction. Yeah. I really, I really did. Um, and I'll say this story because it's, it's one major thing, one major moment that really changed uh, that it was uh, one day, it was on the block. With the homies, with the OGs, they smoking, they drinking. At that time, I didn't even drink our smoke. And I used to be out there. This is this is how how uh, I used to just fit in. I used to be out there with the brown bag with the Arizona tea. So it looked like a beer, but it wasn't. Oh, yeah, yeah, So geez. I used to be out there. But they knew. They knew it wasn't. Because it wasn't like I was. Uh, I never hid in. I wasn't yeah, fronting. Yeah. It was just like. I want to hold something, too. Like, <laughs> like, like, like,
2: like I'm holding a
1: prop. That. Yeah, I need yeah, a, like man. you can't even you can't really get your gangster leave without the without the brown bag. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm like, I need my accessory. Y'all look cool doing it. I gotta look cool, like you know what I mean. So, so we chilling. They rolling dice, and it's you know the regular get down. And all of a sudden, I saw this lady coming down the alley, and I'm like, who's this? Like, she looked exhausted. Like, she looked tired for some reason. I just could not take my eyes off her to a point where I was just following this lady, and everyone around me disappeared. And when the lady got closer, it was my mother. And it was the most exhausted I've ever seen my mother in my life. Now, my mother is a single black woman that raised me and my two older sisters. And um, a part of that, uh, being a single black uh, black woman, she never showed me any vulnerability. My mom, was, we call her Stone Cold. Like my mom was hard, edge, tough. So when she walked through the door, I didn't see that. She didn't think I was, I saw, and I was like, I was like, my mom, that tired from work? I'm like, because she would, she would take two trains, um, the bus, just to get to work in L.A. Because we lived about an hour, it's like 70 miles. So you had to take two, this ain't New York. Yeah, Two trains about an hour and 30 minutes each. And then she got on another bus to get to work. So she'd leave at like 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the morning and get back at like 8. Right. So that's where she was going all the time. So I had all that free time in between. And as long as I was in the crib before she got home, my mom half of these stories I'm telling you now, my mom have no clue. That none of this shit happened. I'll really? <laughs> be telling her, she'd be like, What? I'm like, yeah, I got shot at three times. What? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, my yeah, yeah, shot, yeah, yeah, shot, yeah, yeah. shot. It was a while ago. It was a while ago. Like 20 years ago. But it, <laughs> yeah. but it happened. Yeah, your, your son was a wild boy. Um, so that moment is when I said I was gonna dedicate everything to acting. That was the moment. And then after that is when the car stuff happened. And this, it just solidified it for me.
0: What car stuff?
1: When the car, when they, when they, when they, they broke the yeah, shit, they broke, they, yeah, they destroyed the whole shit. Like it, that was oh, right. At, I, that. I just so solidified it, like- it. That solidified. I was like, I'm this right here is taking me down a path that I don't want to go. Mm. And it was simple as that. And, you know, uh, and unfortunate, like, uh, and I, you know, I'm cool with some of the cats from back, back in the day. And we've had, what's, what's great. Is that I've had conversation with a couple of them and all of them, you know, have like like you made the right decision, man. You know, as we mature and as we get a little older, and of course everything wasn't handled the way it should have been handled. We all were young, you know, I, I was crazy. I called everybody up and basically cussed everybody out. <laughs> like, oh like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. you this and you that like it just was it just, it just was ridiculous. And um and as you get older, you you know, I, I appreciate the, the couple of the cats that came and really was like y'all, you made the right decision, man, I and mean, we proud of you. So, Damn, so yeah, man. it's it's pretty dope. It's pretty dope.
0: And when you make that decision, then so what, what? What did you do, man? Uh
1: man, I started went to I started City College. I went to City College. That's another interesting story. I went to City College for two and a half years. I didn't take any electives. Um, The counselor tried to fight me on it until I had a meeting with her, and she was like, "You need to take electives." Don't let you get your AA. I said, "I don't need that piece of paper." What are you talking about? She's like, about? I said, I don't need you a piece of paper to validate uh, my intelligence. What are you talking about? I said, no. I said, I'm going to be a business owner. I don't need. I'm not going to work for no one. So I don't need to show them what I know. I am going to know what I know, and I'm going to do what I know.
0: And
1: <laughs> this again, 17, 17, 17,
0: 17, 17 internet, dog. 17, pre- the, oh yeah. The internet's riddled with fucking entrepreneurs. Oh yeah, no, no. Scary V's. Yeah, this you, is, yeah. Just on your own, you're like, yo. Yeah,
1: I said, I, I never, I had a plan after that. I said, i work for two years and I'll never work again. It took me three
0: and a half years, but I have never had to work again. But when you told her you're a small business, you, you, I mean, no, no, not a small, we'll get to that. But you said you were a business owner. You meant acting?
1: No. What did you mean? I meant I was going to open a business. I didn't know exactly uh, what. I didn't know exactly know what. I knew I was going to own a business. Um, And the business side, and acting, I wanted to learn business for acting just because I wanted to be able to understand my contracts. I wanted to be understand the business side of yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, Because I'm getting acting over here. I was taking acting classes with Bobby Shaw Chance. At the mm. time uh in uh studio city and uh I studied with her six and a half years four to five days a week um during that time but um so I was going to college, I was working two jobs and and, and again following in my mother my mother's footsteps, taking two trains in the bus just to get to acting class mm-hmm. and I did that for three and basically three and a half years. And I booked Young and the Restless, and then and that was your first. That was that was, that was the my first, first gig, big, My
0: first big gig. Mm-hmm. And how long were you on that?
1: Uh, I was on there seventeen episodes, but that was because I got hit by a drunk driver, and it ended my stint on Young and the Restless. Okay. Yeah. So let's I get told you that. I got a lot of let's crazy stuff, man. <laughs> we're gonna been be here three shit. hours, bro. Yeah, I know. We've been through some shit. shit, bro. All right. Uh, so so
0: you're you book Young and the Restless. Yep. Right. Think Before that, it. how many years you said you were just grinding? Three and a half. Three and a half. Three and a half. And a half. So you're looking at what early 20s right now? Yeah. I was 21. 21, you booked Young and the Restless. 17 episodes. They weren't gonna you weren't gonna stop. Well, I, right? well
1: basically Young and the Restless, uh, I tested in you know, uh, I always say Bob because I can't remember his, his actual name. Bob came out the back, and when Bob came out the back, everybody thought like they saw a ghost. And I'm again, I'm some young kid from these rough apartments, mama. Um, and, and I'm like, I don't know who I don't know who fuck Bob is. I'm just like, what's up, Bob? You know, I'm giving him a handshake. What's happening? What's happening? What's, this what's happening? This is your audition. Yeah, this is after the audition. Oh, oh. I, kill, I kill a test. Um, and he come out, and he like. I just want to let you know, you're an incredible actor. I just had to come out and shake your hand. You did a fantastic job. I'm like, oh, thank you, man. Appreciate that. Da 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 da. We walking off and late, like you know who that is? Like, like that's that's Bob. I don't know if that's real. Like, he's like one of the executive producers. He don't never come out. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, oh, shit, bet booked. This is booked. I called my manager, like, yeah, let me know when it, when it's booked. Just let me know. He called me, like, you didn't get the role. I said, what the fuck? Bob came out. What you mean? What you mean? Bob, Bob don't come out. I said the same speech that she yeah, said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> said the same speech that she said. And he's like, oh, no. Uh, oh, yeah. Speaking of Bob, Bob liked you so much. He created the role for you. It was only three. It was only three guarantee episodes. And that uh-huh. had three guarantee. I, again, I've always, always had a chip on my shoulder, you know, even from then. Uh, from there. Uh to supersede everyone's expectations of me, and so three turned into seventeen. And the reason I end up
0: at seventeen was because I got hit by a drunk driver walking. Now we're gonna get to that, but yeah. how did how did you get your manager? Because you said you called your manager. How did oh, you get your manager? Man,
1: shout out to the prayers Robert Enriquez. I've been my manager twenty years since that seventeen. Oh, you?
0: Oh, it's the same dude. I have the same manager. Yep. So how did you get him?
1: Uh, it was through Bobby Shaw Chances class. He had a showcase. Oh, oh, and uh, he was just starting out. And I had a big management company that was interested in me as well. I met with them, and then I met with him second. Uh, it was in this uh, office in Santa Monica. Now, the office was big. It wasn't his management company. He was like, oh yeah, no, he's in the back. I go to the back and I get to the back. They're like, oh no, he's upstairs. I'm like, where the fuck is he at? <laughs> some
0: fucking Yo,
1: tank. like the building was like had poor construction like it was like a the the roof and it was like a crevice that was in the building but that I could see the roof like it wasn't a fucking room like it just like he's in the attic or shit. Yo something. It, it, it wasn't even that. like it was some shit like somebody fucked up like somebody, somebody fucked, fucked up, up. <laughs> somebody fucked up in the in the in the in the architecture of the building and all of a sudden he had a nook
2: yeah, he was, yeah, it was
1: yeah. like he was selling socks out there, bitch. Like you know, you go to New York, you see the cat selling socks and purses and belts. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what the fucking yeah. looked like. <laughs> and he got the head, his headshots, his actors up on his shit. Uh-huh. And I'm like, yo, he, we meet, and I, and there's something about him, I was like, I'm gonna rock with this dude. He stands up, this motherfucker six five, his head bent <laughs> up on the roof, <laughs> and that's how we shook. We had a handshake deal, and that's been my manager for, for since I was 17. Damn. Yeah. And why, why'd you go with him instead of that big management company? Instincts. Uh, you Just, just trust instinct. him. I you. just was like, something about him. I'm
0: rolling with him. Yeah, something about him. Just, saying, I've always trust my instinct. I've always trust my instincts. Okay, and then he hooked you up with a with an agent, or you rolled with him solo.
1: I mean, we went through all of that. We went through agencies. We went through. We we've went through several agencies. Oh yeah, we built like because bu- like, we built this. We built this from the ground. Damn. So he's been yeah. up, uh, meaning that he didn't. He was starting out. I was starting out. So we had to touch everything. We touched, you know, one line, two line, co star, guest Mm -hmm, star, mm -hmm. reoccurring. You know, we touched everything. And we, the career that I have, we built together. And that's something that I'm very, very proud of. And and, and we started from nothing. We didn't, we we didn't, at no, no point, until maybe the last recent years that we get like we had a big jump like it was like no we never skipped a step like it was like mm. they, one step two step three it never like we got a big leap like no like it was damn we got to touch every one <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it just made me stronger for the you know for the marathon that this this it takes to be in this career for a long time it's a marathon
0: bro yeah mm-hmm. i've had a few actors i've been in the game for a long time tell me that man yep Cause you know when you're young, you think it's a sprint, dude, or you think it's gonna happen quickly, or, mm-hmm. or you think you book something, you think it's a lottery. You yeah, think one big thing and it's gonna change your life. Right, well, and right, right. right. And I'm worried nope. about that right now, dog. To be straight up with you, bro, cause I, cause this shit is a big thing for me. So it's mm-hmm. like I gotta make sure that this becomes something else. Or I mean, you know, you never know if we keep going for a, no, for no, a while. no, no. You're right. You're right. No, no, no. But no, I need no, this no, no, shit. To, no, you're right. Yeah. This is
1: gonna. Do, I have a. My rule is work. Get you more work.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Work gets you more work. Right. You know. So for me, that was my my motto. Just because it wasn't it wasn't about the bread. It was about work gets you more work. So a lot of stuff I would you know uh, either take a short deal or take a whatever because I knew the work would get me more work. So yeah, I may not have gotten all the money I should have gotten on this particular project, but I got it from somewhere else.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that's because it be people the people that I work with in here we're all growing in this business together that's what's fascinating to me now as far as being in this game 20 years and seeing how many people ain't here ain't around and how many people are still around and to see where we all started i got my home like my homegirl is a as a head of uh uh head of a, like a, a production company i remember she was an assistant casting director mm-hmm. like the assistant you know that was about 10 12 years ago but that's like my sister. Like I, all like I could every movie that comes out, I could be like, "Oh, I know that. Oh, that's that's family right there." Like, cause we've been through the trenches. I've, I've seen we all built, and, I'm, and they got the same thing when they see me on something. Right, it's like, "Oh man, I remember. Man, I remember we had that one line. Like you know, I remember. when we did this one show together. We both had two lines. <laughs>
2: yeah, you
1: know, you know. So it's it's that's what's really
0: fascinating. But you know, work gets you more work. So you do the 17 episodes on on Young and the Restless, and then what? And then you get hit by a car?
1: Yeah, yeah. A BMW Roadster going 65 miles per hour while I was walking. Flew in the air, landed on my face. My right leg was broke. My spine was curved. My face had severe severe lacerations. Um, Like, I almost lost my bottom lip. That was crazy. And this happened outside of my acting class. So uh, I helped a lot of people break through that night. A lot of people break through. Because, yo, if you can imagine
0: the sounds. <laughs> Emotional break. oh, yo, yo. Oh, all
1: actors. It was crazy. Ah, it was crazy. It was crazy. It was a jungle of crying noises oh, and screeches. Oh,
2: shit.
1: Yeah, it was crazy. And I gave the whole dramatic. I mean, they put me on the gurney. I got the thumbs up. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's stupid. It's stupid. <laughs> even, <laughs> even I'm fighting for my life. I'm still. You,
0: you still, <laughs>
1: Thumbs, Thumbs up, up y'all. It was, it was, yeah. It's been. I'm telling you, man. It's been a road, man. I've been Damn, through, I've been through wild God. shit. And how, how long was the recovery? For six, that about six, seven months. Um, and I say this, I was never upset. Like, it, it, you know that that accident was meant to happen, and it changed my life, my perspective, and my pursuit. Um, understanding that life uh isn't forever, and know, and knowing that it could be done in a second, but also know life, and also knowing that life is long. Um, so uh it's up to you in your pursuit and in your um and how aggressive you are in your pursuit of dreams or how far you'll get. Um and again, you, you get the the grass is greener, sky is bluer. My faith in God, just my faith in um I'm fearless when it comes to this world. Um because I know I got hit by a car going sixty five miles an hour. Scientifically, I'm not supposed to be here. So, with that being said, I'm gonna go when I'm supposed to go. Period. You know what I'm saying? Some people slip, hit their head on the concrete, and go. You know what I'm saying? Like it just—you go when you're supposed to go. So that that put a, a whole level of fearlessness in me, um, in my pursuit and my testimony to God would be: is the first week that I was able to audition after all the stitches came out of my mouth, I booked three TV shows in one
0: week. Damn. Yep. Two reoccurrence. And because you just came out on some shit, huh? You were just like that. I meant to be here. You were.
1: It was. It no. It, I think that was a gift from God. It's a confirmation because you gotta understand. Even through all of that, I definitely was dealing with. Um, like damn, like I. I had lost everything that, so to speak. Because I, you know, I got younger than wrestlers. I thought I made it. I quit my yeah, job. Bro. I was getting thousand dollars an episode. I buying swords off of Q- QVC and shit. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Like I'm, I'm over here buying useless <laughs> shit. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. I got money to burn. Like, you know what, yeah. what I mean? And yeah. lost all that shit. Went broke. Like, whatever you want to call it broke is why you still live with your mom. But uh-huh. you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Like, I had a girlfriend. Time she was trying to get me to do real estate. I broke up with her ass. <laughs> oh, I said, shit. "Fuck!" What you mean? You met me when estate. I was on Young Red. Like, well, she yeah. met before Younger the Rest. But I'm like, uh-huh. you seen what I was able to do? You don't fucking believe me. It's right. over. You right. know what I mean. Right. Mom's had to pick me up from her house. I got the two trash bags. <laughs> Hilarious shit. Walking out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is all like. It's twenty one. I'm out there yeah, with yeah. trash bags. Mom's picking me up. Like, yo. Yeah, we broke up. Yeah, we yeah. broke up. I moved out. <laughs> you know what I mean. So, so, so yeah. Nah. Um. I booked three TV shows in in, in a week, and that was confirmation that I was uh, I was going in the right direction. That was what Damn. how I took it. Hmm. I'm a maniac for this acting thing. I had back surgery and in two days after my back surgery, I demanded to be released to go to audition. And I went. This was later on. This was later. I had back surgery 10 years later after the accident. Had, um, from And eh, They can't say directly, but it, I had a tumor in my back. And it was benign, God bless. Um, but for about four or five months, I thought it was cancerous. Like it was a serious deal for about four or five months. Um And had major back surgery And Dr. Hunt Shout out to Dr. Hunt Brother doctor Yeah Brother black man Black man work on my back uh, <laughs> You know what I'm saying uh, Shout out to Dr. Hunt um, But uh, he uh, I remember it My mom was just in there Shaking her head And it was It was literally like I got the back surgery Like on a Tuesday Afternoon It was like I had to audition Thursday and I forgot how I even got the information for the audition. I don't even know who leaked yeah, that to me. Right. But I got it. It was on the phone or something. I don't know. And like Wednesday, I'm like, "Hey, I'm leaving tomorrow to go to this audition. I come back afterward." He's like, "Alan, you what the fuck are you talking about? You just got a back surgery, like major back surgery. You had a bleeding tumor. We had to we had to give you blood. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, I'm gonna be right back. It's down the street. It's down, it literally was down the street. It was about maybe five minutes. I'm like, I'm gonna come right back. I'm all Wednesday." All Wednesday, he like Alan, you not leaving. I said, You the fuck I ain't. He said, Alan, you can barely walk. I said, Well, I'm just gonna roll about this bitch. Like Dr. Hunt you're playing with me. Like Thursday come. So he gave me the automate. Thursday, he like, oh, to he's like, automate. He's like, Alan, if I let you go, you ain't coming back. I said, Well, I guess I don't see your ass again, this Doctor. He like, yo, this dude is crazy. Yeah. And because again, for me, it's it was always at my pursuit for greatness. Um uh, I, I, Again, I like pressure and I like challenges and I feel like every challenge is a test for me and what I'm willing to do for what I love. And I remember my, my girl at the time, we was in the lobby. I said, all I need you to do is stand me up and I got the rest. Again, shaking my mom was like, we you my mom was like, you ain't gonna stop him from doing it. So, mm. so, she so knows by now she knows man. by now. She just like we take drive his ass to the thing. That's all we can do yeah. is let Alan do what the fuck he wanna do. Cause he got that's all he's ever done. Uh-huh. Like she stares me up. And when I tell you I didn't feel anything, I still had my I still had my hospital bracelet on. And because they like, yo, is that a hospital bracelet? I am like, oh yeah, I just had back surgery. They're like, what oh. the fuck? I did it. And I didn't feel I didn't feel a thing while I performed, and that's when I knew it was special mm. to me because I I didn't feel any pain while you were doing while that. I was doing it. Now when I walked out, I almost passed out. But yeah. you know, while I was in there performing, I didn't feel a thing. I didn't feel a thing, and I was again confirmation like this is what I love. I love acting. I love it and the master, the mastering of acting, uh-huh. like being a master
0: at it. That's that's the pursuit that I'm after and. It's it's uh how long after you booked uh well after you booked the stuff after you 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 broke your I mean uh, you got hit by the car mm-hmm. how long after that did you keep taking classes I mean is it ongoing still or is well or no I I took I did stop? six
1: and a half years and during that so I was three and three years in when I got Young and the Restless mm-hmm. and I kept going after that um and for me it's like martial arts like my sensei my master my acting coach. I call her my second mom because she birthed me as an actor. Um, it was only so much, it was I was only so much I she could teach me at that point. Every it was like, you know, in Kung Fu Panda, when you put the scroll and it's a it's the reflection of him. Mm-hmm. That's basically where I got to where it's like the things that that I have to discover in my acting ability. Cause I, I don't I, I have a firm belief that you don't need to be taught how to act. Um you don't need you don't need to be taught to, you everybody knows how to talk, everybody knows how to you know, shit, walk eat like you don't need to be taught how to be a human being now if it was like I need you to be a dog then that's something that somebody has to teach you you don't know what the mm-hmm. fuck that is right. you just have to understand yourself and the deeper you understand yourself the deeper you can understand others and deeper you can understand the character and deeper you can have empathy you can have you know you can have a deeper sense of how a human being function because you, that's the engineering of it engineering and building the character is building how does this person function and your best case study is yourself Noah, there's no other case. There's because if you could ask me a thousand questions and I can give you nine uh nine hundred and ninety-nine right answers, but I can give you one wrong answer. You won't, you can't lie to yourself if you don't let you, if you don't let yourself lie to you. You know what I'm saying? So you have all the answers to what you need to build another human being because you have your own self to ask these questions and get an honest answer. So for me, it's I am that's why I like being alone all the time. Cause I'm in a constant thinking of if my hand itched at three o'clock. I wanna know why and my response. Like why I, I'm always looking at how I naturally respond thing and ask, why, 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 why did I do this? Why did I do why did I sound like this? Why did my voice change when I talk to my mother when I'm opposed to when I talk to a police officer or opposed to when I talk to someone of authority when I talk to a child that's three? Mm-hmm. Why do we all as we can see a baby? We all do it. It's mm-hmm. frequencies. Mm-hmm. So for me, I I have broken it down to I can find similarities and characteristics in people by just the decimal of their voice. Think about it. It's regional. You got regional habits. You got accents. You got all those things. That's the decimal of your voice. That's the frequency. The shit that we're saying are are just fucking sounds and noise coming out of our mouth that we, we say all of a sudden is language. Right. But how we really communicate is frequency. Frequency. And... Certain people like with the whole term birds with feather flock together, that's that's a real fucking term. So you'll see certain people Why like you see gangbangers, they go, Yeah, oh, what do they they sound the same? Yeah, yeah. And then you got one person that don't sound the same. I'm like, where the fuck this motherfucker from? <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: You know, and it goes down to each particular, I guess, uh group for lack of word that you're around. And then you go into subgroups and you can just break it down, break it down to the point where like now, everybody, anybody listening, I'd be like, I, I always challenge people to start listening to how people sound rather than what they're saying,
2: because
1: hmm. then you'll find similarities in people that you like and similarities in people that you don't like, and it has nothing to do with them being bad or good. It's just they don't match your frequency. They just don't match your frequency. Right. Simple as that. So, so yeah, that's that's the level of where I and and every time I build a character, all of all of every character I got on television, their voice is different. Even though it may be very subtle, but the decibel the frequency is different,
0: so you fuck with the tone so the voice is big for you then in building a character, the voice everything is big like everything
1: it it, it the voice is is again understanding the character. I gotta understand why I'm saying again, if a thug sounds like that, why you know, not just because he's around this area but. Is the element
0: had some insecurities Is he trying to it, it could yeah it could be, it be that it he, could
1: just be man. region it could be like the people in Brooklyn don't sound like the people in Harlem no doubt right and that's uh what mile, 3 miles away from each other
2: uh-huh
1: yeah. and it's still new york but it's just it's that it could it could <clears throat> you could break it down to that specific specific even though it's the same region you now you going to boroughs right it, people
0: sound differently
1: so you
0: got to make these are the decisions that you make as an actor and did you see so you haven't had a like a day gig or a day job in a minute right since young and the restless yeah. or yeah burton's a co-factor. co-factor i was at Burns a co-factor and i quit so you you've basically you've sustained your 20 living, years 20 years off of acting writing something in the business yeah right i hustling and shit on the
1: side you do, never yeah. drugs or anything like that, but just hustling shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. yeah Got to yeah. clarify. Yeah, you know I'm saying. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, man, no,
0: never drugs. Right. So after that, man, what's like a big, like a, like, when, when did you start writing, man? Uh, man, uh, RIP to my, my
1: writing mentor, Michael Kane. He wrote all the right moves for Tom Cruise. I have a fascinating life, I'm trying to tell you. At 17, I met Michael Kane, who wrote all the right moves for Tom Cruise, Southern Comfort, one of the Jaws is and he was like popping in like the 70s, 80s. And I'll
0: never forget it. Not Michael Kane, the actor. Not Michael Kane, the, uh, the writer.
1: Uh, he just passed this uh, oh, yeah. this year. No, no, was it, no, last year. No, this year, I'm sorry. Um... And uh, he walks up to me after a showcase. I was 17. 17. Uh, again, from the hood, <laughs> rough apartments. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I got this 60-year-old white man coming up to me. He's like, hey, I think you'd be an incredible writer. I said, I hate fucking English. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> he's, like, he's like, I'm terrible at it. I, he's like, no, that's structure. It's not creative. I think you being a incredible writer. I was like, I was like, okay. He was like, look, I want you to help me write the script. He's like, you stay in my, stay in my, uh, my pool house. You know, I paid for the week, and then I said, I cut. I said, hey, let me stop you right there. Let me stop you right there. I have no problem whooping a sixty-year-old white man's <laughs> ass if you're on some funny shit. <laughs> and, he, and he was like, That's the and he was like, like, yo, he was cracking up. He was like, hell no. He was like, I ain't on no shit <laughs> like that. <laughs> I was like, I'm just letting you know. I'm just letting you know. Like, I ain't even with the funny shit. Yeah. And um, <laughs> he was like, he was like, nah. And (laughs) I ended up, I I ended up taking a two week vacation from Burlington Cult Factory, Uh and I wrote my first script when it was one of the best decisions in my life. And he taught me how to write. Damn. He taught me how to write. Seventeen, some kid that I had no indication I would ever be in a writer, ever. And this is fast forward into you know when I met Kenyon, I I worked with him and I helped write you know I you know like maybe three scripts. Three three scripts. They didn't get credit for him. you know. I was paying my dues, um, but I had them like write like three scripts. And um, it wasn't until I met Kenya that I felt that I could actually be a, a writer, because I saw a six year old white man. He's on the phone with ICM and all that back in the day, going off. Mm-hmm. Bob, you read the fucking script? Are you fucking serious, Bob? Yo, I'm a fucking. He talks to him crazy. Yeah. Talking crazy. All right, man. I see you on the golf course. The fuck just happened? Like he just disrespected his whole life. You talked about his kids, like <laughs> like, like like everything. Yeah. He, I see you on the I see you on the golf court Like it was it was a fascinating kind of a scope that I got to witness as a, at an early age. Um, and again, it just felt so far that I didn't ever even consider being a real writer. It wasn't that I met Kenyon. I was like, you know, as as naive it may sound, like a black people do that. When did you meet him? Uh t- when I was twenty-nine.
2: Mm, I was so twenty-nine.
1: So that's ten years of having this skill in my back pocket that I just never used. Mike didn't even know I I, I had that type of experience. When he when he hired me to become a writer, right. it was off the same it's crazy. You know, it's crazy. I you know, I tell Mike all the time, he's my white guy. He's my white guy. <laughs> yeah, damn, yeah. every, they, they, anybody tell you every black man need one white man, Mike's my fucking guy. <laughs> you know what okay. I'm saying? And you know, uh he really he really saw and you know saw the potential again he saw the creative where we were writing together on the mm-hmm. way to things he didn't know my experience of writing and actually my my training from michael kane when he was like i want you to be a writer it was under the it was kind of under the same scope that michael kane saw me and that's why i got so, so much admiration for him because it's like damn like you really saw the talent before you even knew that i really had the skills you mm-hmm. were willing to help me grow my skills you know what i'm saying um and which he has and uh, continues um, But yeah That's how I became a writer I met Kenya And um, He in a, We did the show on BET And in eight months He showed Blackish And I, I remember Talking to him about it When it was just like The idea And he was like Oh I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a show About my family Then he got Anthony Anderson He got Lawrence Fitzburn, Then he went to pitching The next thing you know He's like yo ABC and FX want it Like every network wanted it He was like I'm trying to decide Between ABC and FX Like I was I got to witness the whole process, mm. and to the point where, you know, eight months later, we walking through a, a huge corridor with fifty employees that now work for him. And again, show me something, and I'm, I, I, and it lets me believe that I can do it too. Right. When I saw that, I said I will too. And in a year and a half, maybe two years, that's when I start writing for Mike. But right. on Survivor's Remorse, it was like like a year. And I got the I got the notice about writing for Mike while I was at a table read were black. So I it was it was special to me because I got that's to share the first one I got to share with was Kidney.
0: Oh, that's dope, man.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Now, when when you get a project or or an idea in your head that you want to write, do you have a routine that you start getting into? Is it is it writing every day at a certain time, or do you just kind of like? sit at the table and see what the fuck happens like do you set time for that shit or I'm is a, it more free
1: well me i'm an artist artist so like i i obsess over things so what i've learned is that i have to once i lock in i lock in and what i mean is that if i gotta go write something i go lock myself in the room and go get it done like that's the prep
0: however long it takes
1: yeah that's a prep. Take me three days. I'm in there for three days. Like I'm like I'm in there, ordering food, doing whatever. Like like, like <laughs> I'm in there. I'm in there. So um it's not as now when you're working and you know doing acting jobs, you can't, you know, have the liberty of doing that as much. But um when I'm focused on it, like you know, I'm in painting and doing all the other stuff. Like yeah. I'm I'm doing notes on this script right now. That's all I'm doing right now. I, I can't do anything else. Can't do painting. I can't do that. Like whenever mm. I'm not doing anything. I'm back. I'm locked in. Like, see me on set where I would be painting. I'm like, no, I'm in my trailer. I'm in there writing. You know, so uh, it it just it. I have a ton. I have the tunnel vision. Um, and I like to have tunnel vision at whatever with anything that I pursue. So that's that's basically my process. Now, the structure of writing is I've learned from you know, some incredible writers from you know mk to mike to kenya to you know stephen Falk from you're the worst like working with these and collaborating with these other um more experienced writers uh i'm a sponge i just watch and see oh i like that i like I like that how that works oh, okay cool all right like all right this is how you package things this is how you put things together like i'm i'm just watching people nobody's really sitting me down like hey do this do that no i'm i don't need that i just i, I want this to be in a room where I get to see everything. And what's crazy is that in this 20 years of me doing this business, I've been sitting back watching everything. And now it's time for me to use everything that I've learned. I've watched. Like I've been around a bunch of amazing and fascinating individuals in this business. And a lot of times they didn't even know I was there. (laughs) Like I didn't even know I was there. Big, big. And it's weird. I, I don't even know why I was there. But see, dude, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you
0: know, you know where you're at, where I feel like your intelligence really kicks in is like, you know, also when not to speak. Yes. You know when to be that dude who's just watching. Yes. Because you could easily be that other dude who's like, boom, 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 mm-hmm. trying to talk to everybody. Boom. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you know, being charming. Oh, I've talked to everybody mm-hmm. right, in the room. But you know when to sit back and be like, no, mm-hmm. this is my time to learn. Mm hmm you know and how do you gauge that bro is that's it, what the streets man that's what oh, the fucking streets wow.
1: like yo like if you get out of pocket like I learned early <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember I was playing basketball in the neighborhood and and everybody like my best friend a cracker he's like when, Alan plays basketball he's another animal he always likes to fight and all this other stuff I do and um that's why I, I can't play basketball oh you get heated oh I just get passionate I just get- <laughs> Basketball was my first love. I'll be in it. I'll be in it. I'll be ready to die. <laughs> ready to die court. Like what you mean? You know. So um, I learned. It was I was twelve, and uh, I was playing basketball. Me and his dude kept getting into. It. He had to be about six, six, six two, but he looked about six seven because I was only like five foot at that time, and we going at it. And my OGs came off the bench. It was like, hey, hold up, stop the game. You want to fight this dude? Looked up at him. I said, "Nah." (laughs) He said, "All right, well, you know, watch your watch your mouth and play the game. Like, learn your position, learn when to speak and learn not to. If you only speak if you're ready for that, ready for that action. You know what I'm saying? Don't be that guy. That and that was a quick lesson for me at 12, and that's I I always remember that. Um, So." I I've always present and I always have a have a level of respect for people due to that until until you lose that respect for me I have nothing but respect for people like I and it's just because I know how shit can go left. Like, people don't really understand how shit can go left until you see somebody get shot in front of you or you see some, somebody shooting at you because you got a girl's number. Like, these are things that I went through at an early age where it's like, oh, no, it could get really real off of something trivial. We was yeah. arguing about rappers, and I saw somebody get beat up. Like, <laughs> like he was finesse,
0: <laughs> And you just took his shoes. So, but, like, on a business level. Right? <laughs> like, like, yo, this is, I saw this. Like,
1: this is crazy.
0: Uh, on a business level or on a yeah. career level, Yeah, it's like people can lose their fucking, like, you can lose a whole, you know, I'm not going to bring it up, but something that happened on set and you're like, yo, like. Yeah, This person can get, you know, something can happen where yeah. you lose your job, It's bro. respect, man. Or it's future respect. shit, you know? Yeah, you
1: can't be disrespectful, man. And then you got to pick your spots and you got to understand- Who are you talking to? Who right? you talking to? That's a, for real. That's yeah, another thing yeah, from yeah, the yeah. streets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you may true, think bro. that dude that's quiet in the corner, you over there, oh, yeah, yeah I'm giving him all the gas. Ah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. He ain't saying nothing here, punk. Next thing you know, you go outside, he got the pistol to your face and he shoot you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was quiet because that's the one you got to worry about. That's the one you got to worry about. So um, you got to understand that you, who you're dealing with. And, and again, if you're not ready for that action, watch your mouth. Like you're not really if you if you just heat and you want to be emotional about and be reactive to certain things, you may be reacting to the wrong person and that can be detrimental to you. It'd you be your career. I've had, I learned early. I mean, I almost beat a producer in one of my acting classes when I was a kid. And I was like 20. It was like, it was in that my same acting class, I was 18. I lost my temper. because uh, I and in the acting class, uh, you know, I would hype people up. Now, to some people, they would thought it was disrespect because people would be in the middle of their scene. And I'm hyping people, like, oh shit, I'm over the cop. like I'm giving them energy. Mm-hmm. And they, these are my fellow classmates, so they know they when they hear me going, I'm like, Oh, he, oh, I'm in it. Like, it's just like the yeah. crowd is hyping me up at a basketball game. And that's how I got everybody up. Like I had my whole act class. Like we were, we was lions. Like, let's we here to perform. Let's go. Like, and, and and if you fall in a little bit, I'm be like, all right, I'm gonna give you some energy from the crowd, let you know I'm here
0: with you. Right.
1: This one producer thought I was being disrespectful. And he had said something to me, like, watch him out. And I was like, man, who the fuck is you? <laughs> like? like yo, they had to separate me. It was all it was a crazy situation. I still don't even know even what that producer was and how even how big he was, but I just felt I felt. At that moment, I was like, "Wait a minute!" I was like, "This is this is I I can't do that ever again. I can't do that. I I have to be, um, I have to tailor my emotions a little bit better and really understand and read the room and really, again, again, from his scope, he thought I was being disrespectful. Mm -hmm. Now, if we had a conversation now, and I'd be like, "Well, no, this is what it was," and you know, I was either helping this actor find energy or find confidence. Because he didn't feel like he was alone on stage all of a sudden because, he, because of these six strangers now that are in here. Because I saw him do this scene when it was just us and he was killing it. Right. And now these six strangers in here, the energy changed and now he feels like it's different. I'm like, no, it's not. Do your work. Like, all right. You know, because I, and that just that connection, that energy for me, I saw elevated people. You know what I'm saying? Or either... Get people laughing. And if, if the room starts laughing, the energy changes. And now you can go up there. Now, now even if I said something that cracked the joke that it got the room going,
2: mm-hmm.
1: now the room is going and now you can flow now. Now that everybody's ready to laugh now. You broke the ice. Yes. Right. You know, so so yeah, I I've I've definitely been in that situation where I'm I'm speaking from experience, you know. Um and she, again, you just gotta you just pick and choose your battles. You got to pick and choose your battles. And then, again, uh, one of the biggest notes in, that I ever got... is two big notes that I got from my uh, my mentor, Michael Kane. One was, uh, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. You got to understand, it was a seven... I was a 17-year-old black kid with a six-year-old white man. You understand how many times we were lost in translation? Yeah. And I'm trying to pitch jokes or I'm trying to pitch this line and he would always be like, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Like... You may be saying it in the in the in the way that you understand it, but how can you explain that same point? Because the idea, the whole idea, is to get whatever point is across to me, not to yourself. So it's about how do you say it. So that was that was a big lesson for me as a kid that he taught me.
0: And there was another one you said. Yeah,
1: it was a yeah, uh, the last conversation we had before he passed. He said, "Never think that this game needs you." And I was a and that was that was. You know, uh, it hit me like a ton of bricks. You know, just because this is a man that knew he was dying, and with all the things that he taught me, he just wanted me to remind, like he said, never, he said, never been think that this game needs you. Meaning that don't get ever get lazy, don't ever stop busting your ass, don't everything like oh this man. game, yeah, don't everything like oh this game needs me, like I don't need to do, need any. no, the fuck it don't. You better work your ass off. <laughs> you're gonna work your ass off and keep working your ass off. Cause if not, they will find somebody else. Cause the game don't need you. You know what
0: I'm saying? Yeah. Play the game accordingly. And when so you're saying so you were saying at 29 you met your right your other writing mentor, right? Yeah, can you? Mm-hmm. And um uh, you your career, I guess, up to that point was just acting. Then, right? I mean, you were yeah. writing on the side, but you weren't really going to that. that. was all acting. Now, when you took on the acting, your career went to another. I mean, the the writing, your career went to another level. I mean, did you start making like money right away from writing, or is that uh, something that graduated? Well, yeah, no,
1: writing, <laughs> writing is where it's at, man. Um, <laughs> writing was where it's at, man. Yeah. It was it was cool for me coming from the um, kind of street culture that I grew up, excuse me, that I grew up in, um, you know, seeing guys with with expensive cars, jewelry, all the nice clothes, that they was getting it from selling drugs. When I start hanging out with Kenya and them, they got Rollies, they got the new BMs, and I'm like, they 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 slanging words. Mm-hmm. They slang this is what kids they slanging words. They slanging wor- That's how I took it. I'm like, oh they over there flipping words. Oh, I need some of that. And, you know, and I was like, oh, snaps. And um, that's what really, you know, again, I wanted I wanted to be those drug dealers. I didn't want to sell drugs, but I wanted to be them. I wanted to be, I wanted a better life. Like mm-hmm. we were struck. I had three pairs of sweats growing up. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I didn't have, I, I didn't have, uh, I had the, the shoes, the foot action, the two for 89s. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like like, like you know I remember I, they, they got the two eighty nines no more. But I had the two for You got these funky Adidas uh, <laughs> and uh, like a, a Reebok. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you can mix and match. <laughs> you know what I'm uh, saying? That's how it was rolling. And um, you know, I wanted that. And so and as I got older and was, you know, grinding uh and seeing, you know, uh, a particular group of people Living a lifestyle that I wanted to live And not to say I didn't see some certain Actors uh, Do it like that but I, I Didn't see them doing it like that I saw certain Actors but that was actors Actors did it differently The writers I was like oh this is my type of flavor Man they over they, here they balling out Minked out they, they they doing it You know and especially with again with Kenya He comes from a similar background as me so It just was the world that I I I knew but it was in the form of writing, and I'm like, "Oh, I want some of this," mm-hmm. and uh, that's when I began. I created a show called "Who the Fuck Is Uncle Joe," and it was the first comedy series that I wrote. And like, I wanted to do a series. I wanted, I basically show ran it. I produced it. I directed. It. I did everything for it. Um, and you know, I did the pilot. I showed it to Kenyon. Kenyon actually gave me the money to shoot the second and third episode. You know what I'm saying? But where
0: where were you doing this on this it? This is in
1: Rialto. We had just a five, just a five D. The homegirl Rebecca was shooting it. Like it was like like. It, and you like,
0: were shooting it to sell it to somebody, or was it?
1: I was shooting it to shoot it. I didn't know what I was. Girl. I wanted to sell it. I never sold it. Yeah, but yeah, I wanted. Yeah, yeah. It. I didn't know what. The, I just was like. I just wanted to get that. The process of writing and creating a series and understanding episodes, understand arcs, understand building characters. See, that's huge. Though, like, bro, like I did the, yeah, I did the, I wanted to, I, I show ran my first show basically, casting, all of these different things. I played every position in creating a television show in the small form of, uh, and we were doing like this was, like they were like fifteen minute episodes. Like these are long scripts. I would, at knowing now, I would have did them way shorter, but. They were like 12, 15 page, you know, maybe like 17 page scripts on some of them, you know, and we was knocking them out. I would, I would basically, I would shoot it, raise the money and shoot another one for a weekend, get the money, save up the money and then shoot another one. Another. So it took me a year to shoot the whole thing. Damn. It was like 10 episodes, yo. Word? Yeah. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. It's, it's, right. it looks like shit though, but <laughs> it looks it look like shit, but, it, and I'm, what I mean shit, like. It still, it looks good for that time, but that was, like, 10 years ago. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, um, and this is before YouTube. Like, this is before, like, all of that was really, like... Because that's
0: what I was going to say. Popping. I wonder, were you going to put it up on, like, a webisode type of thing, or it was just, like...
1: You... I had it on, like, when I had my app, it was on there, and, like, that was kind of like the, uh, you know, our kind of... It was more like, kind of like my staple series on the show, just because it, it was hilarious. It's super funny, even mm-hmm. with... The production not being as great as it could be. It's super funny the story, the everything. Like, I people ask me to redo it all the time, and I might, and I might eventually. Um, but uh, it was the thing that kind of just got me in the position I want to be a lead. Like, I, I, I put, I, I, I created everything that I wanted to be.
0: That's important, man. You
1: know what I'm saying? I didn't wait for somebody to be like, oh, here's your opportunity to be what you want to be. I said, no, i want to do it. I rather this is the show business. So I was going to show you what I wanted to be and that kind of kick-started my career to where it's at right now. The last the last 10 years is a, a testament did you of use my,
0: that. Did you use that to show it to people? Did you show people like no. this is what I... Oh, no. It was just strictly for you. I to- mean, I
1: use it of some, some film festivals, stuff like that, but as far as people, the things that I've got in this business, no. Nobody's probably even seen it. Mike, Mike probably just saw it the other day when he saw it on Instagram. Like, mm. you know, um, so like these are things that uh i was i were i was doing and you know going into the whole Allah manifesting and you know putting that energy out the energy i started to meet with that same energy where it, i started to be leads on on shows i started to do i and it because i knew i just had, had a deeper understanding again the engineering of what it takes to be a lead and and what goes into casting of a show like all these elements that I learned in building out a show I was like okay this is what I was looking for this is what I was this is what I needed on camera like this is all these things that What? how was how was how were the people that are part of my show successful and how did they how did I know they would be successful and then re-replicating that for bigger productions.
0: and we get into with the stuff with CAA right so mm-hmm. You were telling me about this on set and I was fucking fascinated, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so you said you were looking for reps, right? Yeah. What was it? Your 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 current reps at that time? Yeah. No, I wanted a literary agent. Oh, you wanted a
1: literary agent? I wanted a literary agent. The agency that I was with, um, they didn't have literary. So you were like, I gotta look
0: for one that Yeah, this has it, got it, everything across yeah, the board. Yeah. So uh, when it's important to me. Right. So when you start looking for that other agent, you put together a PowerPoint, right?
1: Well, no. What happened was um, I started to develop a relationship with my my current agent now. It was a kind of a two-year deal where we met and through our first conversation over the span of two years, we stayed connected and, and, and stayed in conversation. Uh, How would you meet him? Or through her? a friend. Through a friend. Shout oh, yeah. out to Megan. Okay. Um, through a friend that thought it would be dope that we knew each other just because she saw my trajectory and his. And, um, you know, oh. it's not too many black agent, agents at CAA. Oh, so um, we we befriended each other. And ironically, on the lunch, the two-year, like kind of two-year anniversary of us meeting, we had lunch again. And that was the day that uh, he got promoted as an agent.
0: Because before that, he was? He was an assistant. Oh, he's just an assistant. We're talking about relationships now, right? politics I mean, that's not politics yeah, that's part, 10%. What we were talking about, yeah. yeah. Um, you know,
1: so that was again that was a relationship that we were, you know, we cultivated for the past two years, and then my contract was up On my agency that I was with, and like I, I went to them before I left. I said, "Are you guys going to do a literary?" And they said they were, and then, um, uh, wow. when it came down to it, they didn't, and I was like, "I got to go," and I hit up, I hit them up. I said, "Hey." I'm a free agent. What are we doing? And at the time, I had I was on the last OG, and I was already writing for the last OG. So you you were already working. You were, yeah, I was already set. A, yeah, Every yeah. agency I went, I was already
0: working. Right, right. You were you were going on just to see where they could take you on that next level of the thing. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's for me. It, you know, it's a it's a business relationship. It's a business relationship. Um, you know, uh, I keep it I keep it all the way one hundred. You know. You don't really care about me, you care about what we could do as as business partners.
0: Right. Now when you say keep it 100, I mean when you start having those thoughts like damn, maybe I should go to somebody else, do you first go to that agent and say, "Hey, I'm having these thoughts like are you doing this are you doing that? What what are you doing for me in that in that sense?" And then Play that out with them Or do you just cut them off Well no I'm. I'm a, I, listen uh, With all the
1: agencies That I've been with I've, I've been straight up And down with them uh, Unfortunately With the last agency I wasn't able to go And, and meet with them Face to face Because I've always met With all my agencies Before I left face to face I'm a straight up dude Like that So right
0: you now. tell them Like I want to have a meeting And then I have a meeting
1: And I let them know Like this is I'm moving for growth Of business Not because of Anything that they have done Or didn't do It's about growth It's about growth And And uh just like agents go to different agencies and different things like that. It's about growth. Everybody wants to grow in business. Everybody here is nobody's in here just to be stagnant. Nobody's here just to be in the same spot they were in yesterday. It's about growth and growing and in and, and, and trying to achieve bigger goals and put yourself in a bigger position for your family. You know, people are just people just ain't working Just be working. They're looking, they're working to provide for themselves and provide for their family. So and I'm in the same position. Um so When it came time to it for me to switch certain agencies, it was it was with that purpose. It was about growth and the betterment of myself and my family. Like I, I don't I I understand whatever limitations you have, and I'm going to someone that provides me more. You know that isn't as limited as you. If now if I was going, um, if I wasn't going ascending up, then that'd be different. But all of my agencies, I was going up. I was stepping up, stepping up, stepping mm-hmm. up, stepping up, stepping up. So when I finally got to CAA, um I I had really got myself in a position of really understanding that this game is a business and myself is a business. So after I signed with them maybe 2, 3 weeks later, I put together a 40-minute uh, PowerPoint along with a magazine with a memory card of everything that I was speaking in a, in the meeting and it was crazy. <laughs> it was crazy that I'm about 15 minutes in my PowerPoint and they thought I was presenting a service for other actors and me packaging and trying to present like these career. And in that PowerPoint was me breaking down what I want to do in my career, the things that I have going on, the things that I'm developing, the things that I will be, will be doing in the future, the brand that I want to create as an actor, just what the company is, the, the, the mission statement, all of these things, what you would see at, Amazon or at Facebook, all of these things on how they built their company and what it represents. I did that for myself as a as an actor. And um uh, yeah, and broke it down to them. And again, they was they was kind of they would definitely they definitely said it was the first time any actor ever did
0: that. Yeah. Where'd you get the idea to do that? I mean, it, did you see somebody else in Shafie College, film?
1: my city college, then that same conversation with the counselor telling yeah. her that I ain't need nobody to tell me, I ain't need no piece of paper to I'm going to have my, my own business. I've been a businessman since I was 3. Like this is this is how I've always approached everything when it comes to generating any income, you know. I don't approach my friendships like this. Like no, this is business. Like everything that we do as actors is is it's a business. It's a business situation whether it's business relationships or um you know, uh just you know, brokering deals, all this business is business. So I've always approached it and presented myself. Now, I will say it wasn't until twenty nine that I really established and really implemented all the business uh, plans and marketing plans and the things that I learned in college towards my act. And it was always separate. It was always separate before then. I was always doing my little businesses over here, and then acting was just acting. And it wasn't until 29 when I hit, like, rock bottom, you know, that How I old had are to, you now? 37.
0: 37. And you say you hit rock bottom at
1: 29? 29, yeah. You know, being lazy. I was on unemployment for, like, two years. Like, just being lazy. I was in
0: Long Beach. Uh, you of made just, some money, so you were...
1: Chilling. Yeah, I was chilling. I was chilling. Like, I got comfortable. Had a little two-bedroom apartment, pool table. Like, this was... And then I was like, wait a minute. I only got $1,000 left on this unemployment? Oh, my rent, $900. Wait a minute.
2: (laughs) Wait a minute. Wait
1: a minute. Wait a minute. minute. So um, I had to reevaluate, sold everything in that house and got this little one-bedroom (laughs) roach-infested apartment in North Hollywood and really rebuilt everything. Rebuilt everything. Rebuilt myself. Rebuilt my mission. Um, re- rebuilt, and that's when I came. I coined the phrase, and it's trademark uh, uh, to be obsessed with success. Be obsessed with success. That is my motto, and that was what propelled me out of the hood to even get on Young and the Restless, because that was my biggest step. Everything I'm doing now, is not is nowhere near the biggest step to become from some kid out some from obscure city outside of Los Angeles to wind up on a Emmy award winning television show, not even getting the role, but getting a role that was created for me. What? That was the biggest leap. And I had to remind myself, why did I get in? It was because I was obsessed with it. I was working two jobs, going to like doing a, like that take you, that's a maniac.
0: See though, Alan, bro, what you're saying right now makes so much sense to me, dude. Cause it's like when we look at somebody and we see their success, we think that, they never had to like reevaluate at any part throughout that journey, right? Mm. Because I've been doing that too, bro. I mean, I think about my own career and I'm like, dude, the, the the dude that left from from Miami knew nobody in New York. Fucking hit the pavement from the minute I got there, work doing school, working, and then yep. also doing theater. Like from the minute I got there up until I left, it's like I gotta remind myself of that shit and then reignite myself to go. Uh, Even a step further with that obsession. Exactly Mm -hmm. what you're saying, bro. Mm -hmm. So at 29, if you 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 had that that moment where you're like, "Look, man, I you got to a certain place, right? Mm -hmm. No doubt." But Mm -hmm. then you you're saying you had like two years of just not really working that much, right? Yeah, yeah. And 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 the money had dried up, and then you reignited that fucking obsession. Yo,
1: yo, I'm telling you something. My best friend, I was running the stairs in Long Beach. My best friend, Leotis Burgess. I know he sounds like an old trumpet player, but he's not. Um, Leo- <laughs> <laughs> Leotas Burgess, shout out because he, don't, he he gonna don't, he don't want a shout out. Yeah, yeah. He gonna want a shout out. Uh, he basically cussed me out on the phone because I was I'm such a giving person, uh, and in the midst of all of that, uh, and missing me having nothing, I was giving everything away. And he basically said, "Fuck everybody, focus on you." You know, fuck me, fuck everybody. Like, focus on you, get your shit together. And I went home and fell out in my office in a fetal position, crying, praying. And, you know, again, another another one of those God moments. God told me to stand up and go get it. And he gave me the plan to get back, be obsessed with success. That was what was injected in my head. And uh, I sold everything, got back being obsessed with nothing mattered but acting. Um, and before I could move into my apartment, I was moving in. I think on the Monday, I booked a national Ford commercial and haven't stopped working since. Mm. I haven't stopped working since. And this is not, another thing that maybe some actors can take. Um, when I got my one bedroom apartment, I didn't have a couch because I was like, I don't want to be comfortable. I said, I don't, don't want to be. I want to be uncomfortable because I was uncomfortable in the hood. I, you know, I I wasn't comfortable. So I don't want to be a... Con- I just got... I don't even have a couch in my house now. I got a 3,600 square foot house, five... I still don't have a couch in there. Now, I'm, I just bought one. I bought an $8,000 couch.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> just bought one. But it was... I, and I literally was like, I don't have a couch. It's like I just never had a couch in any of my houses. Holy shit. You know, just because I built myself to not be comfortable. Not be comfortable. <laughs> and the other rule that I did was... I said, once I fill up all the walls of my accomplishments, so when every time I book something, I put it in a frame, like a little 8x11 frame, and I put it on my wall. And I said, I can't move from here until I fill up all the walls of my accomplishments. It took me, I think, three years to fill up the walls in that one-bedroom apartment. I moved into a two-bedroom. It took me a year. And then after that, I moved into a three-bedroom house, and it took me, I think... Uh, two two maybe two and a half years to fill that whatever and that's when i bought my you know basically million dollar home
0: damn dude and that's all from reigniting that shit at 29 yep that's fucking bro that's huge man that's huge most times you know people think that they're locked into whatever habits they're in you know what i mean and and that you can't recreate yourself bro so i respect that
1: you know, I, I'll say this, and it's a great documentary on Netflix called "The Toys That Made Us." Um, and if you really watch it again, engineering, uh, it talks about establishing the brand and recreating it over decades. If you can, if you can dissect that from that documentary, then you'll you'll find what you'll need to really build a career in this business, um, because the Ninja Turtles have been around since the '80s. And they still tend to get a new audience because they have to continue to evolve. And as an actor and as a, as a, as a business, you have to continue to evolve. The world does not stay the same. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You have to continue to evolve.
0: Now, what, what, what was in that PowerPoint, man, if you get into the specifics is we are going to have a lot of actors. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's
1: just everything that were in a, in a, in a regular business plan, my mission statement, it was, um, uh, it broke down everything. Me as an actor, the brand, like, For me, uh, my brand is Funny Tough Guy. My roles fit in that window. Funny Tough Guy. And I have to be careful with keeping it balanced because I have a comedic and dramatic career. Ten years before I did, the first ten years of my career, I did everything dramatic. The Shield, like I had cornrows. I couldn't get a comedy role to save my life. Interesting. It wasn't until I cut my hair, all of a sudden people thought I was funny simple as that. I could wish it was something else. I cut my hair and I I guess I I got I got more approachable. Um and along with maturity, I did have a, again a lot of street edge with me as a, little, as a younger kid. So I really I really wore it. Uh, I really did. It, it was a Christmas party for the young and the restless. They go in, in tuxedos. I show up I show up in the Avex and Thames. That's how that's how dedicated I was to the street like to the street. <laughs> These <laughs> motherfuckers ain't changing me. <laughs> Everybody was like, man, put a suit on, man. Fuck that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my mom was like, Alan, go do what the fuck he going to do. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You already yeah. know he going to do what the fuck he going to do. He going to pull up there. Yo, all the black people there put their head down. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> do you see his yeah. ass? He came up here with an A-brake He over here looking like Memphis Bleak uh, yeah. <laughs> at the Christmas party. Jesus, Alan Maldonado, God,
0: uh-huh. you know, <laughs> you know, so funny, tough guy,
1: yeah. So it it was a brand of me as an actor and the type of roles that I want to, uh, I want to play, and then it broke down the, the the three careers that I want to emulate because this ain't this ain't you know Den- Denzel is Signe Portier, you know, but he's Denzel, but he followed the blueprint of Signe Portier, mm-hmm. and this is business, you know. FedEx ain't nothing but what UPS was. You you get what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't mean that you have to reinvent the wheel to create your own business and to create your own lane. Um, So I broke down the the, the actors and the the movies that I felt built their career, and this is the type of stuff that I want to do. Um, On the writing side, I broke down all the scripts that I had and things I was going to develop and things that I was in in the process of packaging and all that. Um, My music company, I have a TV and film production company that we do everything from music for every television, if we're on every network um we do music for feature films the stuff that you hear in the background the highlights like we did the Kobe tribute um uh commercials you know production music that you hear on like even if you hear uh on a movie and somebody got some music in their headphones you don't really hear you just hear kind of just hear the noise we do that we do music for that so broke down that company and broke down my short film company um uh just broke down everything that I'm doing in this business. Uh that's a that's revolves around acting. Because everything revolves around acting. Acting is my son. Acting is the mm-hmm. son, but everything revolves and is powered by that. Um so that was all in the PowerPoint. It was I had a magazine, it was it, you know, it had a everything. Magazine. What do you mean, man? By- had a 40 page magazine with everything that I had in the PowerPoint, <laughs> it was in a magazine, bro. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So at the end of this thing you present that and do you leave them with a question like, you know, how can you guys advance this or is it just letting them know what you're doing?
1: A little bit of both. A little bit of both. It's the thing of this is the these are these are the things that I need you to go to help me. These are these are the projects that I need you to help me produce. And then also for me, you know, if I say something what's gonna happen. You know, whether it happens a year, two, five, 10, I ain't going nowhere. It's going to happen. If I say it's going to happen, it's going to happen. So either you jump aboard the ship early or you jump aboard the ship late or you may miss the boat. You got three options. <laughs> you, got three, you, got three, you got three options. So um, that's basically what it was, is that I went in there with a suit. I went in there with a suit. Like, this is business. I'm mm-hmm. here to do business with you guys. You guys are, this is the, you know, biggest agency in the world. Let's make let's let's do business. Let's we. I'm not here to play. I'm not here to just be on the roster. No, I'm here to dominate. I'm here to be a force in this business. And with your help, we can make this happen. And that's how I approach, and that's how you know I communicate with my team. Is like I I I'm not doing this to be good. I'm doing it to be great.
0: And how long you been with CAA now? I mean, like three years. I think it's three years year now. Three years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and and they've helped you in terms of the, the, the stuff you brought in that day?
1: Yeah, it's a packaging agency. That's one thing that a lot of, um, and they got, a, we spent, it was a whole kind of situation uh, with packaging and SAG and the unions and, and everybody, they've, they've come to terms with all of it. But the idea of packaging is, and what most people don't know, this is what a lot of actors, they get discouraged because, again, they don't understand the business of it, is that, a lot of times when you see the roles that I put out, that's after they've already been vetted through the agencies that are producing it. Yeah. You know, I challenge anybody to go to IMDb and look up the top four actors and they're usually affiliated with either the writer or the director or the producer. If the producer from CA and the writer from UTA, the top four actors are usually from CAA and UTA. Unless it's a, in the end, even in like if it's a, if it's a big name that's attached to it, usually the producer is it, you know, affiliated with the agency? Mm-hmm. And because you got to understand these shows aren't just like, oh, we're doing this show, go. Like, no, you got to go sell it. Somebody has to put up the money for this. So you have to package these things for, hey, we got, we got this person, we got this person, we got this person already on it. Are you willing to risk $40 million for this project? Boom. And, of course, while that is happening – You don't think the people inside of those agencies are talking amongst themselves, already lining up their actors or people that they want to audition first. And then in the event that they don't find actors within their own company, then it gets out to the smaller agencies. But it don't reach the smaller agencies because these packaging agencies represent everybody. They represent writers, directors, musicians. They can put a whole movie together in-house right that's the goal like that's the business that's the bit and again that's the resource and that was you know the part of elevating up is the resources the resources of helping me get to a place because i want to produce and create and again uh be a showrunner and all those things and and create jobs for people not just for myself
0: and the show the show that you just recently uh sold to
1: Netflix ah, I can't really talk about it yet uh, no
0: Can't really talk about it but yeah yeah <laughs> you can't really
1: talk <laughs> about it Not yet not yet not yet not yeah, yet, yet, yet not, yet, yet, not yet. yet
0: but okay let's But yeah, let's yeah, yeah, say yeah, 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 yeah 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 you have a show yeah. Yeah. that you come up with that it's your brainchild yep. you bring it to CAA first and you tell them look I have this project I want to sell it or Or is that something that happens later?
1: It all depends it all depends on how you want to do it. These are your agents, so you know they're there to help you, so you would definitely want to bring the project to them and then and from there, they help you put put the package together, like we need a director or even an event that if i wasn't a if I wasn't a writer say if I wasn't a writer, I was just an actor. I had this idea. you guys represent writers, right how about how about you introduce me to the writer and we sit down and we make something happen. We're both affiliated with the same agency, so we're all going to win. We're all on the same team. You know what I'm saying? Like that was the the whole purpose of me wanting to be part of a uh the, the big agency is that I wanted a team. Right. And that was the PowerPoint for it is because if you see anything on this board that you anybody in this agency that can help put these things together, let's let's do it as a team. That's the purpose of the the PowerPoint. God.
0: Gotcha. You know yeah, it's huge, man. What, what those big uh, agencies can do for you, bro, in terms of opening doors and and like you said, pairing you up with somebody else. Because you know, if they're being rep by CAA, they're legit. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's it, like it's, it's like any they don't brand. Pick up, it's business. It's like yeah, any brand, dog. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, the, yeah.
1: it's like any brand. If you got you sponsored by Nike. And you're like, okay, what kind of athlete are you? Like.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, now, what was that 90-10 rule that you told me about? Okay. Bro? All right. So, I break, I break down, down the business is
1: yeah. um, 80% business, 10% politics, 10% talent. hmm And uh, as uh, discouraging as it may sound, I know a lot of talented people that haven't done anything with their career. Right. Because that's all they have is that 10%. And 10% of any test is an F. And I know a lot of people that aren't as talented as uh, you know, uh, compared to the other people that are great business people. Well, at least you got to be. And then if you got good relationships and you have politics, you got an A, and you don't even need talent. <laughs> <laughs> simple as that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Simple yeah. as that, man. Simple as that. But I always say this: you know, business will keep
0: business. Business will get you there, but talent will keep you. Okay, so that ten percent is going to keep you there. Right. And the business and the politics is going to get you there. It's,
1: like, it's just like any product. Like, if I came, I could have the greatest water. But if I walked up to you with a water bottle with a Sharpie written on it and say, like, Hey, new H2O, bro. That's my that's my shit. You ain't trusting that. You ain't going to ever in your life sip that shit.
0: Mm-hmm. Nobody Even if it's still, the best water. Be it could be the best tip, water yeah.
1: ever. Nobody wants that. But if I came with you a package, the signing, got the whole thing. The, the package is nice. The top is green. Mm-hmm. You know, it's good. I got a commercial that came with it. Uh such and such is drinking it too. Yeah. You gonna give it a try. Now, if it ain't good, you'll never try it again. So that's that's what I mean. It's important to be talented too, because you can get your shot and not be good and nobody wanna try it again. Yeah, dude. Especially if
0: you gambled forty million dollars on it. And then and then there's also that other 10% which is the politics. That's yeah, that's that's the yeah, that's the business. No, 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 but I'm saying you said 80 business, 10 politics, 10 yeah, talent. Yeah, yeah, I only
1: I only separate it just so you can identify it, but that's still business.
0: No doubt, but yes. it, but what I'm saying is you can be a great marketer, you can have all this shit, you could whatever, you could have the talent even, but then if you go and you're a fucking nightmare to be around or you don't know how to talk to people it could fuck
1: your whole shit up. You still got not. I, I I I but this is my argument. It's a lot of people that I know. You're <laughs> right. But they got you're ninety because right. they you're talented right, and they dog. got business. You're
0: right. You're right. They did. now
1: the 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 moment that they not hot in business is the moment that That's they don't work facts, no more.
0: dude. Then you have one slip up.
1: It could be a wrap. It could be a rap. You know, where if you're you great, great to work with, you're great, like you'll never have to worry about your business side. Right? And if you're talented, you can go up and down on your politics and be still be okay.
0: Damn, I fuck with that, bro. Yeah, you know yeah, yeah, you've seen that firsthand, haven't you, with the with the politics side? Uh it's
1: I I embrace it. It's it's a part of the game. Like, you know, people get discouraged by it, but it's you shouldn't um you shouldn't you shouldn't be discouraged if uh you want to travel in basketball and you can't. It's a part of the rules. It's a part of the rules. It's a part of the game. You can't be mad. Like I want to take four steps. Like yeah, don't play the game.
0: Make your own game. Make your own (laughs) own
1: game. It's like yo, like because in the event that you become successful in all of it, you don't think you want to put your friends on. You don't want to help your people out. That's true. That don't even make sense. Like yes, yes, I I embrace it. Like yeah, yo, the the goal is to continue to build. And continue to, uh, you know, elevate. And then, as you elevate, the people around you are going to elevate. And then, all of a sudden, again, you got somebody that was an assistant director that's a head of television at a, at a studio. Mm-hmm. You know, that is politics. That's my friend. That's like my that's my little sister. You know, so this is the, it's a part of the game. And it, it people only hate it when they can't use it. Yeah. <laughs> like people, people can't hate it only when they use it, but they they would love if somebody that they knew would like kind of gave them an opportunity. They ain't gonna say no to it. They ain't gonna be like, oh no, nah, I don't want the politics.
0: No, nah, you yeah. If I call somebody right now, I will put you in the show. They coming right on. Right, I guess like my gripe with the politics, and maybe this isn't part of the politics, but I guess it depends how you define it. But the fact that somebody gets away with something because of a certain level they're at in the game. Mm-hmm. Is the part of the politics where you can become resentful. Now, I agree with you. Don't fucking have that mindset because for what, dude? You know what I mean? You're like well, that's I mean, part of the
1: fucking game. I mean, welcome to that's just that's like that for for anybody knows welcome to being black. Be black for a day. <laughs> and you deal with that. And
0: you have that you thing.
1: deal with that in life, not just in a career. Like going to the gas station, you may have to deal with a situation like that. So again. It's a part of the game. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I could, either, I could either be mad at it and let it affect my play in the game or just understand it and know that I may have to work a little harder in situations that's, that's and I may have to grow to a certain level where I don't have to deal with that.
0: That's so big, bro. Yeah. Like even because I'm not black, obviously, but I, I'm a minority in the sense mm-hmm. that, you know, I I can see how people in the community shoot themselves in the foot because they start with that mentality.
1: Yeah, they let it defeat them. They let them take it takes your energy away and it distracts you from the actual goal of playing the game. Yeah. Like it's the same thing when you watch basketball, I'll go back to basketball, I always refer to back, always reference back to basketball. Is that yeah, if you're complaining about calls all day, you you probably not having a good game. Cuz you worried about the wrong thing. Mhm. You worry about the wrong thing. Like I'm just worried about I'm just worried about being great. I'm just worried about being great. You know what I'm saying? I can care less what anybody else has got going on or what they doing and how they doing it.
0: How they made it? You know what I'm saying?
1: It ain't it don't it don't yeah. What you eat don't make me shit. You know what I'm saying? Like
0: like that's
1: huge. Go good for you, brother. (laughs) Good
0: good good for you. And I th- I think it's up to us as minorities to to put that message out, bro. Like, yeah, the game is maybe rigged against you in some ways, but you can overcome them, dog. Like, I I just feel like a lot of times the the talk is a lot about how everything is stacked against us, and you know, and there's no way we can overcome them. And I think that's bullshit, bro. And especially when that fucking message is coming from somebody who's who's killing it, dog.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's, a it's thing like, of- the thing.
0: What the you. I mean, you made it to. I mean, there's also there's that bullshit of like close the door on, on your way in. You know, right. you don't want to let other people come up and and eat. And uh, so, yeah, I don't know. It, that's interesting, though. It's an interesting conversation. And, but that's it. the
1: thing. It's not it, it for me. It's uh, I I I'm I, I and it's it's weird. And I'm in 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 it. I don't know if it comes off correctly or. It may come off a little weird, but I don't care less if you're winning or losing. If you ain't a part of my family, like if you ain't a part of my, what I what what I am doing and what I'm working hard for, I can care less if you win winning or losing. I'm not giving you none of that energy. You're not gonna get, you're not gonna get any of that energy. You're not. Cause I gotta focus all my energy in and able to provide for myself and my family. I got to give that all my all. That's got to have my whole focus. Mm -hmm. And if you ain't on the team, it's not like I, again, it's not that I hate you. It's not like I don't care. I mean, it's not like I said, it's not that I want you to lose. I don't care if you're winning or losing. (laughs) I I really don't. That's on you to care. It ain't for me to care. Mm -hmm. No. If you ain't a part of my family, you ain't part of people that I'm taking care of and all that other stuff. I can't give you that energy for what? Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. for
1: what? And that's what the thing people give give their energy off to so many people that don't matter. They don't have nothing for themselves, right? You know what I'm saying? So again, that's why I like to be myself. <laughs> I got like to be, more, I gotta be myself. If you ain't if you ain't helping me in the pursuit of you know providing for me and the family. Mm-hmm. I don't really have time for
0: it. You're focused on your shit. Bro.
1: We don't have time for it.
0: And now, uh, before I let you go, bro. Damn. So the, the equalizer. I want to talk a little bit about that because you shared with me some stories about Denzel. Yeah, yeah. You brought yeah. up Denzel earlier. Yeah. I yeah, was it working with that dude, man? Because that's yo. legendary, bro.
1: I, yo, it's still. I, it's still sinking into me. To be totally honest, just because. Again, like if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And it's one of those things like I said I was going to do it and I actually did it. Like, oh, shit. Said I was going to work with Denzel. I said I was going to. My boy worked with Denzel a a few years before. And I'm like, nah. I mean, I'm working with Denzel next. I'm working with Denzel next. Like, you know, I didn't know how it was going to happen.
0: Yeah. And
1: when it happened, it was the crazy audition. Like I've auditioned for films six months. I've auditioned for one film, Gridiron Gang. Grid Eye, I'll say the name of it. Grid Eye Gal this for six months. Went through various callbacks, football tests. Oh. I had a football test right. It was like uh a month after my back surgery. I was like, man, I cried in the car after that football test because I was in so much pain. Damn. I didn't let nobody know on the on the field. Got to got to the point where it was me and my uh me and my boy Jamie. We looked at each other and just shook each other's hand, was like, after we went through four or five months of just going through this. Is this me and you, yo, good luck, bro like we yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we we're like, we're though, really man. like, yo, good luck, man like we, we like, yo, man it was really one of those moments that was dope it was just like, we looked at each other cause it was so competitive to that point, we just looked like it's either me and you but good luck, man it, 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 we, we made it this far, only to get a call like, oh, we want you to come back one more time, to get there Monday it's more people that we saw in the past three months wow. it was an acting Olympics, they was testing people next to each other Long story short, I didn't get the bro. I went in and put, a, put an audition on tape. I think three days later, like, oh, yeah, we're, you're flying to your Boston. You're
0: working with Denzel. What? This is this is this your, for the equalizer. Yeah, but this is right after Gridiron? No, no. this oh, is years just like, saying, I'm just saying oh, the just comparison saying. of, right, right. of you auditioning so process
1: and just the equivalent of working with Denzel, I put it on tape with the casting director, and I'm flying out. To Boston to work with Denzel. So no in-room. No. but with, it was in-room no, with the no producers. No produce. No, they was already out filming. They was already oh. in Boston. Oh, shit. So um I'm like, what? And my mom never gets excited about anything. Like, oh, okay. Like I tell my mom something, she's like, oh great, great. She quick to tell me. Like, all right, make save your money. Like, I'm getting I'm getting that lecture rather than excitement. I tell my mom doing a movie with Denzel, she loses her shit. I said, oh <laughs> word. <laughs> word really that's that's what floats your boat that's okay. what it took huh oh, yeah. okay <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. okay all right all right i see what it is <laughs> yeah. so i get there i'm signing my paperwork in the office and all of a sudden i hear denzel voice i'm like is that the fucking tv <laughs> yeah. oh my God. it's fucking michael max sure. like, oh <laughs> shit this motherfucker's in the next room oh. and i'm just i'm ear hustling like a motherfucker uh so he in there he literally is with the writer, he could have been with the writer director. I don't know, but he was going through each scene, breaking it down. I think this character, like just giving his notes on each scene. I was like, wow, you know. So I'm hoping he come out. He ain't never came out when he was doing it. so. I'm, like, I'm always on signing my paperwork. I took as long as I could to sign the shit. <laughs> um, so uh, first day of set. Of course, my driver's late, so we get rushed through everything. It's frantic. I'm already. Mm. You know, on the on the plane there, I'm 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 Big Bank Hank. Wait till Denzel see me. I'm about to get this motherfucker. This work. Mm-hmm. Wait, 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 what? <laughs> what? Oh, I'm about to. Oh, I'm about to. Oh, I'm about to kill him. Why? Wait till you see me. Late. They rushing it through. Like, all right, we waiting for you to get on your mark. like, what the... F-? Like, I'm getting rushed to the set. Antoine Fuqua popped out. Boom. Hey, how you doing, man? Great. Love the tape. Da-da-da-da-da. All right, here's your mark. Boom, 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 boom. Cool. All right. And action. Denzel hits the corner. You would have thought... Remember the lady from The Ring when she hopped out the TV? That's how that shit looked to me. I said, oh, there go Denzel. <laughs> oh, he, I'm supposed to say something as he's passing. This motherfucker almost gets out of no. the building before I'm <laughs> like, "Oh, and such yeah, a yeah. cut." He like, "Uh, yeah, next time, next time, say it while I'm still in the building." I'm like, "Oh, I'm sorry," you yeah. know. He's like, he "Introduce." He's like, "Hey, how you doing? What's your name?" Good morning. Oh, so your name is Good Morning. Oh my! Yo, God, I blew bro. it. <laughs> blew it. I blew it. I blew it with this here. I'm over there. He just laughed. I'm like, oh, no, it's Alex. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> Blowing it. But after that, I got my got my shit together. I got my bearings together. Yeah, yeah, And, you yeah. know, pulled the scene off and we had a good time. But uh, while we were shooting, I was there. I was, man, we shot that for three months. I was there for like two and a half. And then I left to do another movie and came back. And uh, while I was there, you know, I'm trying to impress. Yeah, I'm not impressed. Of course I am. Denzel sitting in his chair. So everybody's walking around. I'm over here entertaining. I'm cracking jokes, doing my shit. And I'm like, all right, I'm like, Denzel, I'm just want him to know I'm, you know, I'm, I'm off. I got range. I can do everything. You I know i I got range. <laughs> I can do everything. You know what I'm saying? I can, make, I, can be, I can be dramatic. I can make you laugh. I can do all this. Of... was like, man, let me talk to you, man. He was like, you know, this is three three months. Three months, shoot. I said, like, yeah, yeah. He was like, man, sit your ass down. More, more or less. He didn't say sit your ass down, but he was like, yo, pace yourself. This is the three month. Shoot, he was like, "Save your energy and sit mm. down." So that's when you see me on set. When I after doing, I go and sit my ass down.
2: Because
1: Dizell told me to sit, now. Now. <laughs> <laughs> told to sit my ass down. <laughs> um, yeah, that was such a uh, fascinating experience. I literally, when we would walk to, you know, scenes. I literally would walk in his footsteps. Like he'd be walking in front, I would literally walk. Weird. Oh, I know nice. people watching yeah, like this yeah, motherfucker yeah. is crazy. Yeah. We walking the step. Then, then one day we play catch. He's my father for fifteen minutes. This is my daddy for 15 minutes. Yeah, 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 <laughs> we playing catch. I'm over there like, yeah, all right,
0: all right, dad. I don't want to. I, I want to <laughs> drop one. I don't want to
1: look. I want to look like a fuck. I don't want to drop a pass. I'm out there trying yeah, to be yeah. motherfucking <laughs> Dale strawberry
0: out there. I'm catching yeah, everything yeah. like. <laughs> And what what did you learn from him just the way he moves on set, man? I mean, obviously that, but what else? Like Man, get?
1: detail, like the detail that he has um the detail uh that he takes into the role. And, and and to be totally honest, like I never I didn't ask him anything about acting. You know, um I I felt I didn't I didn't I felt I wanted to learn something else from him and I was just asking him how did he you know, uh the key to key to his success in, you know, how in short like he just he just always stayed out of stayed out of trouble like he was never in the media like that never and I'm like I I asked that question um and it was a simple answer he said I just don't be where everybody at
2: huh.
1: and again that's another reason why I keep to myself like I just don't be where everybody at like I just I I I I it I I it's it's, it's not worth it it's not worth it he just don't be where everybody at, and I was like, man, that was that was the biggest gem that he could drop for me. That's why I whenever like stuff events, and I'm like, I'm usually in and I'm out. Mm. I don't be where everybody at. That's why you don't get caught up in no shit. You know what I'm saying? So,
0: but that that that's important because it's like sometimes I think people mix up what we were talking about earlier—the politics—with that meaning. I gotta be at everything, and from the beginning to the end. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. People yeah. get that shit mixed up, so it's a fine line, bro. There's like, well, my 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 thing is always business
1: is done in offices. Now you cultivate relationships, but you shouldn't be cultivating relationships off of business. You should be either genuinely cultivating relationships or it should be business. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes they will um, cross paths, but it's never, there it was never my intent with any relationships that I have that this was for a business. Like my home girl, that was again, back to she was assistant character, that wasn't about like, mm-hmm. oh, I know one day you're yeah. going to be this. No, it was that we really befriended each other. And through time, we've grown in position. So that's where people get it twisted is that. They trying to make business relationships rather than if I'm at a party and I'm with people that I, I rock with, I'm if I'm there to the end, it's because I'm rocking with the people. It's not because I'm trying to
0: get, get or, or somebody, meet someone that- or
1: meet somebody or anything like that. Because a lot of times, a lot of things you, you, you meet and you do business with people, you may not even do business with them for three, four, five years. Because whatever you're doing, don't even line up right. Yeah. I know a bunch of people, but it just ain't some stuff ain't lined up right. But in certain instances, somebody I know for ten years, we ain't never worked together. We're like, oh, opportunity comes, and let's go work together. Like it's that's where people get it twisted. You should be men You should be you know developing relationships off of
0: relationships, Genuine. not for
1: business. genuinely, not just for business, not for business.
0: So he was never around at, at like. He, he would never be at, at castings. Well, the him. story
1: that he told me was about a restaurant that paparazzi began to show up to. He talked to the owner mm-hmm. and said, what are we going to do about this? He said, he's gonna he's not going to say nothing to him. He stopped going. Mm-hmm. Simple. It's simple. It's simple. Yeah, like, it's yeah, simple. Yeah, 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 where, yeah, you yeah. know, people refuse. Like, I'm going to this restaurant. Paparazzi there or not.
0: Right, right. Or I'm going to that restaurant because paparazzi, paparazzi is there. Is there is
1: it? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, it again, it... it he, Denzel was we didn't have like these long conversations he was it was very short and to, to the, the point, point. Yeah. you know what I mean short and to the point like it was a simple like that was the story that was the example it was no the conversation was over after that <laughs>
0: he's like yo it was like, like that was it like <laughs> I don't need to say no more I'm like <laughs> word word
1: <laughs> cause I'm like I'm just I'm just humbled in the presence like Denzel was sitting off he was sitting off to like his side by himself and I was like man I don't want to interrupt but I'm like I'm going to interrupt. <laughs> like I'm going to interrupt this hell, man. I don't care, man. Like, I'm crazy. I'm going to go yeah. over there, man. Yeah. I know you sitting over there in your cup cut with yourself. <laughs> I'm going to make my way over there as a black man. I'm just going to go over there, man. You embrace me. You embrace me. If not, I'm still cool with it. Like, mm-hmm. And he did, man. He showed me some love, man. So, yeah, like I said, he had some real cool conversations. Uh, I love his love his whole crew just because they've been with him for so long. And you can... You know, they all older, you know, older gentlemen now. And I could just, I just love seeing that because I could envision them like the younger versions of themselves. And I just, I just, I pray to have that same type of relationship with my team that we grow together. and We be in this business and we grow old in this business. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. As a, as a group, you know, from his barber, shout out to, uh, shout out to Cherry, Mr. Cherry, um, Just to kind of grow like that. That's what's really dope. Like, yeah, the the movies and the, the accolades are cool. But what I love the most in this journey is, again, watching the people that I've began with, even though we may not have even been as close. Or even, man, some people I don't even know other than by name and in passing. But you've seen everybody ascend. It's a beautiful thing to see everybody growing together and like really evolving into the next generation of actors. And, you know, it's a beautiful place when you just look around, you know, the acting is just the task, but the real joy is, seeing the people around you, you know, grow. And, you know, when I bought my home, my boy bought a home. Like, is this like these these kind of milestones that we're all kind of hitting at the same time is what's
0: really, really dope. That's dope, man. Yeah. Brother, thanks for coming in, dude. I mean, I, uh, I definitely respect everything you're doing, dude. Your hustle is fucking, I mean, it's through the roof, dude. Appreciate and, you know, it's one of those things where, like, you see people hustling sometimes on on Instagram, and it's bullshit, bro, but not with you, dog. I see it firsthand, <laughs> bro. I see it firsthand, and it's like. Hey, man, I appreciate it, man. So, yeah, brother. Thanks for coming in, man. No problem. It. No problem. Me, I know
1: who I am. I'm a dude, a a dude, disguised as another dude.
0: This episode was brought to you in part by TSMA Consulting, the entertainment industry's leading social media firm. If you sign up for any of their management packages at tsmaconsulting.com, make sure to tell them Robbie sent you for an exclusive 15% off the first month. Thank you later.